Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Um, uh, do you want to spend forty minutes covering current events? Uh, I feel like that's what we normally do. Is if uh, <laughs> since this uh, epi- the last episode was published, this is what's happened in like Russia lot, or whatever. Like a lot of stuff has happened, though, is the thing in the last two weeks. No, actually, kind of don't want to. You know what? Mailbag will probably take us through it. So. <laughs> Okay. All right. We'll run through the mailbag. I don't know. Do you want to talk about Starfield for 40 minutes? Did you stuff it? Did you stuff the bag this week? I haven't been. I I think I realized a few episodes ago I'd exhausted all the good tweets that ever existed. So. Yeah. That's it. It is rough. That's rough when that happens. Yeah. Uh, Do I want to talk about Starfield for 40 minutes? Not really. A, it comes up in the mailbag a couple of times. And also... B, I'm kind of where I was two weeks ago, just in the next New Game Plus. So yeah. Yeah, you, I got a lot of fresh observations. You ascended to the kind of. New Game Plus universe of, yeah. of the Starfield. And I play like 15 minutes every once in a while and go, well, like I killed a couple dudes. Nah, it's time to stop. <laughs> I dumped out a couple of pirate spacesuits. Actually, I didn't even go over and loot them yet. They're still sitting there. No, but seriously, there I think when days. I load in, there will be some bodies on the far side of the room that I haven't had a chance to go after yet. <laughs> yep, yep. Hey, pick up their pistols. Even if you don't want them, that's how you... They've changed the way looting works, and you get the ammo from their pistols if you oh, yeah. take the pistols I've been noticing that since yeah. since day one. I've been picking up the pistols for the ammo, and then if I don't want the pistols, I just then drop them. you just them. dump them. Yeah. I just put them right back on the body, often. Yeah. I like to drop them uh, in space over the body. Yeah, so that, that they, works, too. So that they, they fall on their chest or head or something. Well, that... All right, I guess we're talking about it for a while, anyway. <laughs> uh, as in Skyrim and Fallout... Their weapons are objects in the physical universe, but they also exist as little uh, table entries in their inventory. Mm-hmm. So, like, you'll see a weapon on the ground and you'll be like, should I pick that up? Mm. If I just walk over to the guy, I'll it'll just, be in his inventory. Yeah, well, I'm the same mind. way. I don't want to get confused about whose crap belonged to who and uh-huh. stuff, and which body have I looted or whatever. So I always go to the bodies. I leave the guns on the ground. Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> hey, this is going to get cleaned up. When I loot the actual body. Or you know what? If not, who cares? This whole thing is procedurally generated. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, I was uh, I was fucking around in a dungeon and I leveled up my uh, my rifle skill. Because that's... Nice. I like the big magazines, good distance, good fire rate usually. Uh, they just tend not to have super good damage, which I think is kind of odd. Because I think rifles have pretty good damage in real life. But... um. That is true. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm making, I'm making progress. But that first level is like ten percent better. And you're like, ah, oh, well, that wasn't much. That wasn't a huge boost for me. 
I should have just put no, it into some kind of ship thing or something. But the boosts really stack. So, like, you take the rifles perks, mm-hmm. but then you also take ballistics. My ballistics most is of maxed. The rifles are ballistic. Exactly, right? That's and how I got to that hits. second level of yeah. skills. It was just, I just put everything into ballistics. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I have a pistol. My main pistol is a Varun Star Shard because it does both ballistic and, uh, particle beam damage Mm -hmm. and it gets the buffs from both of them it's not bad uh so it does like a refined level pistol which is the third level does um, oh so there is actually a scale because 600 damage i see the words i see refined and i go i don't know what that means like i've been noting like i noticed that you know there are lots of weapons that say refined on them so i know it means something but i don't know what it means it's unprefixed, then calibrated, then refined, then advanced, and then superior, which I think is the best. Okay. So. Well, anyway. So yeah. Anyway, they uh, all of those effects stack up on my on that weapon because it's a particle weapon. It's also a ballistic weapon. Yeah. Uh, it's a pistol, so it gets all my pistol damage. So it it does it it one shots most things. Yeah. Yeah, Varanti disruptor. Basically. I don't know. You just want to do, do mailbag? I feel like this is going to be a low energy pod. And also, these episodes we watched, fuck, man. Yeah, God it was not my favorite week. Shit. For sure. So Gosh, I, yeah, so many times while I was watching them, I just was saying to nobody in particular, fuck, God, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I was, as always, I was the guy on the plane. Then he heard that the in-flight movie was dirty work. Be- Beastmaster. Oh, Beastmaster is the SNL skit, but okay, the real life story about when it's Artie and Norm work. were on an airplane and they announced the in-flight the in-flight movie was dirty work, and then ever a couple people near them were like, "Oh, son of a bitch!" Yeah, that's an experience that doesn't happen anymore since it's all bring your own device now. But yeah, um, that was a good story. <laughs> no one was no one was pleased to hear that it was going to be the movie Dirty Work, a movie which video. has. Three to five good jokes, uh-huh. and the rest of the movie isn't anything. Nope, it's uh, it's sometimes it's hard to watch for sure, but I just uh, I love the idea of that experience. The movie that you made, that you star in, you're sitting there on the airplane, and now how lucky are you? It's the in-flight movie. People are gonna notice. This is gonna be cool, right? And people are just fucking mad. They fucking hate you. They made up their mind a long time ago that they never wanted to see the movie Dirty Work. That's right. Yeah, let's jump to the mailbag. Mailbag! By brother date. Let's start way over on Mastodon. Ooh. Uh, Did we get a a straight toot? We kind of... Not only is it a toot, it's a straight-up reply to our last post. Oh, nice. Last podcast post. I have from New York tweeted, at brother date, uh, love video games, but Starfield would probably make my computer blow up. Mm. Um, You still pleasantly surprised with the performance on your computer i've had no issues i'm running it on ultra and everything runs super smooth so yes um, not too bad yeah that, are you running a 2070 2070 super supercharged super fucking uh fucking air-cooled fucking i think they're all air-cooled it's a but it is supercharged for sure uh, I mean, they're not. Some are liquid cooled. Oh, it's not that you don't shouldn't put it's liquid not. in it. 
No, that's a mistake. If you only it's not meant once. for it, you, you shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found that out that time. Like <laughs> found that out that time. Marjan said she was gonna throw a glass of water in my face just because she'd seen <laughs> it in movies so many times, and it was gonna be really straight fun. Into the vent of and your cable threw, box. Uh, somehow, every single drop in the glass went straight down the vent into the cable box. That one was not <laughs> liquid cooled. I mean, it cooled it off pretty good. It stopped working. So yeah, the problem when it stopped was not heat. No. <laughs> It had probably never been cooler while running. It's crazy. I looked all around for water. There wasn't any. It all went in the vent. I don't know how she did it. I was standing right in like, front of all her. All right, the cable box is shot, but I do need to clean up the rest of the water. And then you were just like, <laughs> nope. there just isn't any. None. That's why this, when we so did it again. Pure laminar flow. The water never separated as it flew directly into the thing. Months again, when I, when I let her try again, at that point, I'm sure because I thought there might be a sexual thing happening that I had to explore. <laughs> But I, we just like, did it. What, I, this is it for her. Yeah, I just straight got in the shower. I was like, we got to do this somewhere that is meant to be wet because you're you're definitely gonna miss. <laughs> did she like? Uh, did she lose uh, the glass and it flew right into your face or anything like <laughs> I, that? Because that's what I assume would happen if I said, yeah, go ahead, yeah. throw some water at me. I was Katie. prepped for impact for sure. I was, I was ready to to take it in the face and not flinch. So, but that's the thing you don't have to tell my wife. She will just take her squeeze bottle of water and squeeze water at you if she thinks it'll be funny in that moment. So, <laughs> that's good. She's pretty respectful about like she doesn't do it if I'm holding my Steam Deck. Yeah, you got to be careful around electronics. Not liquid cooled is the point. <laughs> no, mostly. Uh, Half goes on to ask, why is Data so bad at being a robot on every level? Yeah. Why didn't he ask the computer if people had research or samples growing? Hell, it could probably tell Data all that and deduce a distraction was warranted. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's bad at, um... He's not just bad at being a robot. Oftentimes he's bad at uh, most other things, too. Like, um... Do you remember the one uh, with uh, with Finn, the terrorist? You could tell he was a terrorist because yeah, he, he had the Irish name. <laughs> um... In that episode... Wes, I caught part of it on TV the other day, just scanning through. Uh, Wesley comes up with the the Elway theorem idea. He's like, uh-huh. I was studying, and uh, this Elway theorem. He didn't know the name of it though. He's like, uh, oh, you know, dimension shift. Oh boy, what is the name of that thing? And Data just looks at him like, what the fuck is he talking about? And then Jordy pipes up and he goes, Oh, the Elway theorem. Yeah, boy, but that's uh, huh. No one's talked about that in a while. And Data's looking at both of them like, Well, these guys, they seem so fucking smart. Like, yep. What? Something he could easily have looked up for sure. <laughs> he could have just, just gone into his, into his little brain. brain. Yep. Yeah, he's well, just looking like the they're thing. so smart. What do I do? He should have. He didn't look up sub index physics. <laughs> Check your data banks. Yeah. For humor, sub index slapstick data. <laughs> Maybe Riker knows how data's brain works and it's not good. I mean, it's clearly not good. Uh, yeah, no, he's bad at everything. He's bad at being a robot. He's bad at doing the things you expect a robot to be able to do. He's bad at not pulling the trigger. He's good at pulling it. He definitely was going to ice Kifa's Fajo, but... The problem with Data being a robot is that the show writers didn't have anything interesting to say about robots. Nah. They didn't know anything about robots or computers in general. Definitely not. But they didn't have the balls to say, okay, this is Data. He's third in command on this ship. He is an Italian puppet <laughs> that somehow has life. That's right. But he's not a real boy. 
But no. could he become one? You can one? tell. You can see where he used to have, like, wooden joints and stuff. Yeah. It's pretty clear he's a transformed doll. Yeah, that would have been better, but then you couldn't have had Riker call him Pinocchio and wink. Um, Two on the nose. Couldn't you have? I mean, I guess maybe. Um, This is a show that is um, very afraid that people will not catch references. So could they not have had done all of that and then still had him say, oh, like Pinocchio? Look, man, if they had access to Landry, they would have known the one time they did try to talk about it, they scored the highest score anyone in Star Trek ever did. So... Like the, I just don't know why they always ignored Landrew, which existed for uh, them in it, their It is time. a shame. It's a shame that they really failed to make use of the resources available to them like that. Yeah. I sent it back to 1986 to be to be to be totally sure that they had it. Man, uh, it's printed out on that nasty printer paper where you got to pull all the crap off the edges. I was just wondering if there was a file format in existence since 1986 that you could send Lander back in. Uh, let me just look up when comma separated values was invented. Hmm. Yeah, CSV. Because you could send Lander in a CSV. Sure. History. 1972. There you go. Someone had it. So that it. would work. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if the writers of Star Trek had it, but somebody had it. I mean, if they had a computer, they didn't. The it's very clear they didn't <laughs> at all. It's very clear they didn't know what a computer was or how it worked, at least until the two thousands. Yeah, uh, you're right. Because uh, we saw that Voyager that like, episode. Let's do an like. episode about the turn of the millennium. <laughs> I mean, it's 1999, and most people think that that maybe it makes more sense for that to be next year. But let's do an episode this year about it, and then let's give Janeway a computer. And she has advice on how to beat that video game. It's, um, I mean, somehow they're, they're, they seem pretty drastically far behind Tom Baxter, the, the, the business expert <laughs> who says that the next big thing is computers. Yeah. He doesn't have one yet, but you can, bet he's going to get one. You better believe it. Oh, they're great. You can do all kinds of things on them. You can play games, store files on them. They're, they're, they're great. The writers of Star Trek were behind that. Half goes on to ask, uh, I always wonder what made the writers make Dax say Morn was cute. Did the actor say she hated that makeup and they instantly knew what was going in the next script? Also, how much money did Quark get from the total? Would he not plan a space crime for the rest of that Latinum? Um, you know, based on everything that we have deduced and here in season six of Deep Space Nine... I think it's entirely justifiable to ask, is this actress being punished whenever anything happens? Yeah. Yeah, she. Uh, I'm sure there was some baseline aggression for her being a woman. Uh, <laughs> and then she probably didn't date them. And that was probably she it. She didn't date them. Her boobs weren't very big. No. That really pissed off Rick Berman. Rick Berman <laughs> just couldn't talk about anything else every time he walked by. <laughs> Telling whoever the, the showrunner what is, was, what is you know, talking about? whoever the showrunner was this season, he would yell at them about her boob size. You got a lot of fix. Uh, you got a lot of things to fix on your show. I ain't seen one D cup. And that's why they're always trying to jam in those under boobs as much as they could try to keep Rick happy. Uh, Quirk got about a tenth of the money, but Quirk don't seem to be that interested in big crimes. He really sticks at little low profit stuff most of the time, right? The last time he got involved in big crimes, it was uh, 
when he was working as a weapons distributor. Which he knew he hated uh, like 19 minutes into the episode. He was done with that. Yeah, yeah he, he's not into it. I don't know if we're supposed to believe he spent too much time among humans or what. But um, the other thing that we've learned, which I thought you were going to say earlier, is it uh, Quark's not smart. And no. that's something that we need to keep in mind. I think uh, a lot of people in-universe talk about how cunning and crafty he is. And um, he's taken in by every single scheme there is. All the I time. I mean, he was uh, 100% wrong-footed in last week's episode. Yep. Everyone he who came by. thought that guy was a cop. <laughs> that fucking bumbler was a cop. He thought the lady... He agreed to give those two goons 50% of the money. <laughs> yep. They just showed up and they were doing their bad gangster act. And he was like, yeah, you get half of all of it. Because you're two goons. Even though I double phasered some Jemadar like fucking six weeks ago. Uh-huh. Uh, not only that, but... Um, geez, either last week or the week before. Hold on. Yeah, Landrew. Uh, two weeks before, I put together a fucking strike team <laughs> and took out Iggy Pop and his whole crew. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, no, you get, you two idiots, you get half for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so he's not super smart. So um, it's probably better that he doesn't attempt anything too uh, extreme. But he's just—he's not that ambitious either. Like he likes—he does a lot of little schemes. He'll do a bunch of little shit. He's a real Larry Appleton. Yeah, there's a lot of those floating around in this show and other shows. It's like a whole type of person. I know. I keep noticing Larry Appleton's just out there, especially in media. But I assume there are real people out there like that too. Who are scum? Uh, f- <laughs> well, they—they—that's how they apologize. Once a sure. week, they realize it and they forget it again. Right after that, yeah, they don't change their behavior about it in any way. Nope, they just have another meltdown a week later, and then uh, on the couch with their weird cousin, talk about how they're scum. Larry Appleton's not like you know. I'm just going to be nice to Jennifer this week. Was his girlfriend Jennifer? Yeah, Marianne, I think was uh, was Balky's girl. So yeah, okay. Uh, Jennifer uh, also showed up on Step by Step, and um, in character because no, that is in the same universe. I know that would have been uh, Urkel connects them. It would have been interesting if that had happened, but no, she was playing someone else, someone that uh, uh, Suzanne Summers' character could be jealous of because she was a tough-talking construction chick. You know, Jennifer from uh, sure from Perfect Strangers. <laughs> No, I did not watch Perfect Strangers when it was on whatever streaming service you watched it all on. Uh-huh. Or did Katie watch all of Perfect Strangers too? We Maybe even only did. watched the first two seasons because when we were doing it, that was all they had up. So if I they, couldn't bring if, myself to to do it. I knew if I saw the Bibby Bobka song one more time, <laughs> I would never get it out of my head for the rest of my life. <laughs> Look, uh, there were no huge um new revelations from rewatching it just a reinforcement that those two actors were unbelievably gifted physical actors who had a great chemistry and the show was as tropey as you could possibly fucking make it it was a tropiest <laughs> fucking sitcom but every time they had to try to fix the shower or uh lift something heavy up the stairs or i don't know think of any laurel and hardy situation they they really elevated that shit. So <laughs> some two of the best ever to do it. That's a that's a bold statement. Uh half concludes by saying, I'm convinced the reason they wrote about those bored kids is because they realized they had no actors for the one person trying. <laughs> I mean I get it, but like what are we supposed to do with a bunch more kids? We already yeah. got the Wildman baby. 
This was the show going to be half kids now? Half the cast? I don't know, man. Like, uh, Alexander's in a lot more episodes than I remembered. Yeah, he really is in a lot. And they never have anything good for him to do except be disappointed. I mean, what are you talking about? They absolutely made him a child soldier in Rascals. I know, because his dad's the worst. His dad, as far as I know, never checked on him. The whole episode. Oh, no. Didn't never, care. Never calls, never asks the computer about his status. Never does anything. Now, I know he lays uh, we, there for a while unconscious, but, you know. We didn't spend a lot of time speculating, but down on that planet, Worf and Data were kind of mine overseers, right? Like yeah, they were, senior officers, and they, they were, were big and burly, the whip too. on the rest of the crew. Yeah, they, they can enforce that shit, for sure. Uh, yeah, they should probably go to prison, I guess, when like they come back. Like, you give Worf a little bit of power... Yeah. Yeah. When they got you back, know, you call you call them into your office and you're like, "Hey, I need you to help me root out the problem on the Enterprise here." Hey, it's me, Nora Sadie's, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Bud. Uh, well, everyone who's ever come to Warf and said, "You and me, we're the two warriors," uh-huh. like uh, Kieran McDuff. Exactly. Uh, uh, that's how you get far with Warf. I'm just saying he 100% was helping out those uh, Ferengi down on the surface. Yes, and like in Battlestar Galactica, when they all got back to the ship, there there was a secret vote to have him spaced. But um, <laughs> they just didn't have the urgency, because no one on Star Trek can go above like a brisk walk, so they just never got it done. Fuck, oh, man. Can you imagine if that had been an actual plot point of the next generation? <laughs> Someone doing a secret vote to space somebody? Yeah, that's, uh-huh. that's a little dark for, for TNG. What is this? Star Patrol? What was, the, what was the name of it? Star Command? Star Command? That's true. Did, that's true. They did have to execute a guy, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. They went to they went to give him his lethal injection, but he'd hanged himself. Yeah, he took care of it for him. So they didn't have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So they were just cadets. Just a bunch of cadets played by 33-year-olds. Yeah. In my memory. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty sure that VHS tape is long gone, so... <laughs> no, yeah, no. That shit's gotta be on YouTube, though, right? Hold yeah, on. I think you can YouTube it. I think I tried one time, and I got about three minutes in, and went, can't do it. Can't watch it. <laughs> Cannot watch it. Unwatchable garbage. Star Command, a.k.a. In the Fold, 1996. Well, I didn't remember the In the Fold part. Was that the name of the pilot? And then it just never got picked up or whatever? Yeah, it just got made as a movie. Yeah. Yeah, you can watch all 92 minutes of this no, on YouTube. I can't, but, though. Um, That's what I mean. I tried, and I couldn't do it physically. I, f- I fucking absolutely would not recommend it. <laughs> Don't do it, everybody. If you've got 90 minutes to kill, do It starts do with a else. very bad voiceover, it turns out. Well, they gotta tell you something about the universe, and they didn't have any mm-hmm. good ideas, so yeah, it's just straight voiceover. The Earth polluted. Uh, then there's uh, there's these other guys. They're also humans, I think. Don't worry about Super it. Super sinister, though. So sinister. Call them the Sinisirans. That closes the book on uh, on Mastodon, but overall, oh, forever. Threads. Does that it? Did uh, that did that platform go down too? Uh, it seems unlikely. Okay. Uh, over on Threads, uh, old friend of the podcast, Shannon, oh. sent a video, and I'm not going to do too much to describe it, because you should just go find us at Threads, uh, at Brother Date on Threads. Yeah, uh, we got a number and everything. We're number 10,500,000 something. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Uh, she sent a BBC special in the 70s about Trekkies. Oh, link to this thing. You did send me that. Yes, I remember that. Uh, It's quite a watch. First of all, they do not treat these people with respect. Oh, no, no. For fan club members that they get to show up. And ask them why they like Star Trek. Yes, they're very proud of their uh, homebrewed transporter effect Mm. masking that they use to beam people in and out to have this talk about them. But it is one of these... Every once in a while, one of these videos from Britain from the 70s or 80s or whatever shows up on social media um, with the just the intense Britishness that you understand why people make fun of English teeth today. <laughs> Even though if you watch some actual English media, you're like, I don't know, that all looked pretty normal to me. <laughs> yeah. uh, have you seen this other one that's going around? You guys should go watch this. It's um, Oh, the guy is super condescending to the guests. Yes. He treats his lady assistant like absolute fucking trash. And uh, yep. yeah, he just makes, makes fun of nerds the entire time st- straight to their face. He's not hiding it. Yeah. This is apparently news. Yeah. Um, have you seen this one where there's a woman talking about this big explosion of new crisp flavors? <laughs> and then she's no. like, it used to be used to be just plain and then ready salted. Uh, and then, oh, like, wait a minute. There now, was a variety that weren't even salted. Yeah, apparently. <sighs> I'm just going to uh, eat some got, potato here. Hold on. This lady has got fucking outpost teeth like you would not believe. Uh, <laughs> Hold on. Oh, Chip bad. flavor report English. What would even Just, be the I'm point? I'm sure it'll come up. The, we, Show me this fucking video. We did crisp up these potatoes, but like we didn't do anything to them. You can just eat them if you want, if you just love the taste of plain potato. Old UK crisp taste test news. So, let's see. Yes. Yeah, hang on. I want to send you this fucking video. Um, you gotta watch 20 or 30 seconds I know we won't hear it but you gotta watch 20 mm. or 30 seconds of this to hear this woman's voice and to see her face right. um, at the same time it is an incredible thing All right, hold on I'm clicking on it so it's a video you can find it on reddit it's titled uh, people trying like newfangled that. crisps for the first time yeah oh man you're not playing this lady she could open bottles with her teeth for oh my sure. God. It almost looks like a joke. Is this a joke? I no, I think this is real. She's wearing some straight Austin Powers teeth. Yep, and the the people they stop in the street to ask about these fucking crisps uh are are I mean it's Monty Python characters. Like if you <laughs> if you grew up watching Monty Python on PBS in the eighties and you're like, why? What are what are all these housewives that these? <laughs> yeah, five why are they constantly are pretending as? to be housewives? Then you watch this. What's going on with all of these characters? And then you watch this, and it's just like the, every man on the street interview. You're like, oh my god, <laughs> England in the seventies was a rough. fucking dystopian nightmare. Huh? Yeah, did they had they somehow not yet recovered from World War II? Was it? I think that's thirty years yeah. on, and they still look like everything in that video looked like you'd have to describe it as a hovel. <laughs> be like, yeah. what street is this? Hovel Street? Be like, oh, I didn't know they called them the. Um, uh, what? what di- it's the Hovel District. Oh, okay, I'm in the Hovel District. <laughs> oh yeah, one of the second most popular comment is plain crisps, not even salt. Yeah, apparently and, uh, took them a while yeah. to think of that one. 
Yeah, I guess so. You were supposed to take them home and what, pour fucking gravy on them or something? I don't know what they No, did. it looks like they must have come with a little foil pouch of salt in the bag that you would uh, then pour in and shake the bag up. Okay. And that way you could choose, you know, how salty you wanted it to be. <laughs> anyway, uh, I got the same energy from this as I did from this uh, report on Star Trek fans okay. that uh, got sent to us on threads. But everyone go to threads and check that out. Yep. Yeah, uh, you were not kidding about that lady's teeth. There's, I can't, I still can't believe those are real teeth. That is a severe. She's like has a crazy lisp and everything because of it. It's a severe. Uh-huh. It's a severe situation. She's got teeth you can hear. That's a me- no joke. That's a medical situation. <laughs> she was on TV. Makes me feel bad. Oh, I'm nobody loved her. Over. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. What? Who could? All right. She's also, by the way, if you uh, if you choose to watch that again and look at her outfit and then think about the uh, the uniforms in Star Trek the Motion Picture, <laughs> there's a similarity there too. Well, yeah, I mean those uniforms are very 70s, so that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, cutting over to the other platform, the sort of main platform. Um. On the 22nd, Ryan wrote. Uh, no Starfield, but I did just download the update to Call of Duty, and I'm thinking I might play that soon. It's been several months. I thought he had a standing, uh, standing appointment. I thought he had like a, uh, you know, our like we have a pirate night. He had a yeah. I guess it must have fallen off of his calendar. Well, shoot him up night. I don't know what you'd call it. Fucking, fucking Navy Seal night. I don't know what. I don't know. I haven't played any of them in a while. I don't know what the version he's playing is or how it works, but. No, I think the last one I played was a, that Return to World War Two era shit one. Yeah, back in like 2017 or something. <clears throat> that feels about right. I'm not, I'm not downloading 100 gigabytes worth of Call of Duty. No, I mean, for one thing, I, I, we were just talking about this the other day. These, all these fucking games are huge now. No matter how much space you think you've got, you've only got enough for a, a few games. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, I really want to have, like, I have to want to play it and put up with the fucking hours and hours of downloading and everything. And you got Google Fiber. Uh, yeah, the, nothing wrong with the fiber. My mesh network sucks, but I got a new mesh. I know. It's uh, th- thicker. <laughs> uh, it's more robust. I need, it's uh, like less of a strainer and more of a colander. Yeah, right, exactly. The mesh is so much more... Uh, I need fewer pods, too. That's the good thing. Okay, I only got oh, you, three you pods. Got back down to, oh, you got, it takes you three there, huh? Yeah, I mean, it took f- four with the time. ones that, that Google Fiber provided, and they couldn't really get the job done, but these three are getting it, getting it done good. So. That's good, because those mesh systems are not cheap. No, this one was like two something, two. Oh, for three units, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, I think they're I think they're starting to come down, and you know, it's got the, it's got Wi-Fi six E or whatever, which doesn't matter because I don't know if any of my devices have that, but uh, I guess it's sort of future proofed. So, but yeah, man, <sighs> internet's doing way better here now. Cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, the last big game I downloaded was uh, Forza Motorsport, 
I don't really want to play Forza Motorsport, but you do get a free car in Forza Horizon <laughs> if you play Forza Motorsport. <laughs> yes, so. the Forza that you are still playing That's is right. going to give you a reward for pretending to play the other one. Yeah, I don't really want to be missing that car is the thing. Sure. No, I get it. It's like... Uh, well, I've got you... all the other cars. i got to have that one. If you played a Namco Bandai game, it would be like, oh, wait a minute, you've got an Ace Combat game on your memory card? <laughs> Check this out. Now in fucking Romance of the Three Kingdoms 10, you got a guy named uh, uh, fucking uh, was Mobius really One. You could ride an F-104. <laughs> You're like, what do you mean my guy's named Mobius One? Isn't this ancient China? Yeah, no, no, he's Mobius One. He's got great stats and skills, but he's definitely a Chinaman. Okay. Uh, Ryan also wrote at Brother Date, the visual of your special boy trying to jump was the highlight of my day. He still hasn't mastered like, jumping. Like, you put a smile on my face in otherwise pretty stressful day because small children really are the best. No, nah, he's crushing it, and he is adorable. And uh, he still hasn't really mastered jumping, but he wants me to make him jump. So <laughs> when we were playing today, I spent a fucking 45 minutes straight just grabbing him by his hands and then running with him in the air so that he could pretend he was jumping like 30 feet at a time. Uh, and because he's two, he's like, yeah, that again, 10,000 times. Don't ever stop. If you ever stop, I'm going to have a meltdown. So do it forever. <laughs> so I was, uh, that's my workout all the time. I mean, it sounds like a pretty good workout. That kid's getting heavy. He's, um, he is the skin skinny, like his papa, but he, um, he's super tall. He's crazy yeah. tall. He's like, if you see the pictures of him in his class, he's taller than all the other kids in there. And a lot of those kids are. Um, many months older, so he's a, he's gonna be a super tall kid, I think. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I don't know, maybe, or maybe he'll hate it. Mm. Do tall people hate being tall, or do they like it? Make up your minds. I'm sure, like everything else, they like it sometimes and hate it sometimes. All right, well, I like, don't uh, appreciate that. I'm tall enough that my back hurts when I wash dishes at a regular height sink sometimes. <laughs> Okay, but okay, your uh, your wife is tall, so yeah. you probably don't hear this all the time like I do. Everything in here is built for tall people. Oh no, yeah. Like, what are you talking about? I'm, I always look around like, wow, which part, which one of these counters, which which of these cabinets are built yeah. for tall what, people? This is all very average. Being built for tall people. Right? Yeah, but I hear it all the time. Yeah, Katie's five eight and a half, so yeah. she's more on my side. We actually would like uh in our eventual home for things to be a little taller sure marjan got super mad at me when the guy we had the handyman over to do like 50 odd jobs the week after we moved in because i was like i could do all these things but if i do all of them it's going to take me forever i'm going to be doing yeah. these things for fucking well, weeks. i could do one a weekend for a whole year right or we bring this guy down and we just give him a list and have him just knock everything out anyway he put in like the towel bar things in the uh in cyrus's bathroom and you put him in Ma two inches too high or something? Marjan was furious with me. Gave me a look like I had done the worst betrayal. And she told me the height of the towel bars was abnormal. Um, <laughs> She can reach above her own head, right? I said, I don't understand. I know he did mean. not put the towel bars too high for her to get a towel on and off. I said, I don't understand what you mean. As far as I can tell, there are only two things that matter. Can you reach the towels and pull them off the bar? And are they dragging on the ground? If neither, right. if those things are not a problem, I think it's a pretty normal height. But she That's the so balancing mad. act you have here, and I think there's like two feet of leeway. Yeah. 
<laughs> like you don't have any trouble pulling the towels off and the towels aren't on the ground so i don't really understand what the problem is no uh no you know what the problem is the abnormal height yep abnormal that's what she said and she said it like it was the worst thing she could think of like it was the most insulting thing she said there was abnormal and i was like holy shit so yeah that's what i have to deal with here and she's not even that short she's, she's like not five short. four she's not particularly short yeah she's the same height as our mom yeah so was sure <laughs> well you know I don't know why mom lists these days. She's getting up there. I haven't there. seen the media guide recently. Yeah. Yep. I've seen the pronunciation. I mean, I know that she has to put a pronunciation note that, yeah, it, it it's only got one L instead of two, but it's pronounced the normal way. That's right. <laughs> yep. Uh, also, it says here, I don't know why this is in the notes. It says lots of other people have it spelled this way. I don't know why you feel <laughs> the need to say it like that, but it's right there in the guide. So she doesn't notice they get a new slant. That's right. I feel like I've heard her say that many times. That there are lots she of people say that spell it that Oh, way. that's French. That's how the French spell it. <laughs> and then you go, sort of. Yeah. Um, on the 23rd, Ryan posted a meme that uh, says them. Where do you see yourself in 30 years? Me. And then a picture of a dude in a hot tub with a hunting rifle and a beer. Yeah. Maybe he's going to take a buck off of his own deck. Hard to say. He's wearing a uh, safety orange hat, though. I mean, he's got a, lo- a large field out there past that deck, so that, bu- that buck could be anywhere, really. Yeah, but that looks like a fairly high-powered scope on that gun. Yeah. Honestly, it's got a pretty long focal length. Yeah. Uh, was this because Morn had a, had a hot tub? Hot tub. Morn <laughs> had a gooey be. hot tub. <laughs> And so, of course, I had to ask Ryan if he was interested in trying that one out. As far as I know, Ryan's not actually a hunter, but, um, I mean, he does like a gun. Oh, there doesn't have to be a buck out there. Maybe there's just some bottles or something. Who knows? I mean, he could be shooting at an empty nacho cheese can. There you go. That could be it. You never know. I mean, if you got Uh, a field that size, you might as well put some fucking compressed air out there and just shoot at those. Watch them go flying. (laughs) Yeah, I guess at that distance, you're probably okay. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I don't think I don't think I was ever that excited to shoot at junk, but the internet will give you lots of reasons not to. I'm sure mm-hmm. everyone has seen this video of the guy who loses his leg because he shoots at a lawnmower with gas in it, and yeah, the fucking know. blade comes right back and takes his leg. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why you do that. I mean, okay, so say you don't know it's full of gas and it's going to explode. What do you think is going to happen? It's yeah, a lawnmower. Either you're going to be real disappointed when nothing happens. Yeah. Or it's going to become a dangerous situation. So I don't really understand what the goal is there other than to maybe blow yourself up in some way. But I got hit in the dead center of my forehead by a ricocheting BB from a BB gun <laughs> when I was about 13. <laughs> uh, and I didn't wear glasses at that age either. So I was like, hmm, okay. That could have been a bad... <laughs> All right, well. Lesson learned. Good thing I am capable of learning them. Only stung a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But some people aren't capable of learning lessons, so maybe that's the problem. No. And to be fair, I one time we went out with Ryan's dad, and we were shooting this fifty cal and a, in a quarry. And a huge piece of rock through like flew like three hundred feet through the air on a real high parabola and broke his dad's back uh, lift gate window. <laughs> <laughs> it 
So dang, you know, didn't learn that much, I guess. No. Hey, man, bullets are—they got some power, huh? I mean, a fifty cal sure does. Yeah. All right, lesson learned. I just learned a lesson. I haven't done a lot of shooting. I've done like um, I've done uh, like skeet, and then that's Ah, it. Yeah. And I was fucking good as shit. I blasted like twenty-two in a row or something at one point. Nice. Should have done that in the Olympics or something. You've done enough video games to have a sense of how to lead a target. Mm Mm-hmm. That was really it, too. That's the important skill for Skeet. Once I got a hold of... Once I got a hang of what that specific weapon was doing, I was like, fucking got it. Nailed it. You have to get a sense for how fast the... the, That round is traveling, right? To know where to lead it, but yeah. Like, they had the ones that, you know, float in the air all slow, and then they had the faster ones, and they had the rabbit ones, the ones that kind of go along the ground. Uh, Those are hard. Those are a real fucking pain in the ass. Um... But yeah, once you get the hang of it. I wonder if infielders are better at those. Oh, probably. Yeah, they got those short hops down, man. (laughs) Exactly, right? Because it's the weird, unexpected short hops of those things. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. I don't know if Walt Weiss was real good at rabbits. (laughs) Well, look, man, uh, most baseball players these days seem like they're from the boonies. Because otherwise, you, you just do other stuff, I think. So... I that would expect the there are a I lot of do, infielders man. that can shoot. Do you remember one? I could do was Walt Weiss. <laughs> you, you, and, and then like, I thought, oh, I gotta, there's got to be someone more recent than that I could think of it than I thought Mike Gallego, but that's the that's same, same era. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right, man. You got the rookie of the year. I think he won a gold glove. So, you know, you did, you did I'm not, it right. I'm not sure how long it would take for me to think of the name of a middle infielder that played more recently than those two. I mean, you watched a lot of A's baseball after that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I guess who was not superstars on those teams? Well, I mean, we had uh, Miguel Tejada, right? He was a star. He won the MVP. Oh, I guess he did start at shortstop, didn't he? Yeah, he just wasn't that good at defense. But yeah. he was, you know, he was... He would make super good plays, and then uh, the routine ones would eat him up. Um, okay, so that's already, like, basically ten years later. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, I, I was trying to name people that I knew you were still at least kind of watching the A's. Uh, but. I, uh, honestly, I almost just said Lance Blankenship. Same, same era. Same era. Not and helpful. Just, and then you're like, well, Mike Bordick. And I'm like, God damn it. Damn it. <laughs> you know, why were there so many middle infielders that are so memorable? All right. Tony Phillips. Shit. <laughs> Wait, the A's had a lot of good middle infielders. No wonder they were so good back then. Yeah. Those were probably, yeah, the, those were probably five of the top 20 middle infielders in the game, and they, they were all in the A's. It didn't have anything to do with having Ricky Henderson, Dave Henderson, Jose Canseco, <laughs> Mark McGuire. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there are Dave some. Dave Parker that, and yeah. Harold Baines. and <laughs> Exactly, and, uh, yeah. Did you already say Dave Stewart and Mike Moore and Bob Welch and... All I didn't of them. think of Dave Stewart. I didn't think of the pit. I wasn't talking about the pitchers, really, but yeah. Yeah, the whole game. No, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I'm not gonna bring Carney Lansford's name into this. I'm not gonna talk about Terry Steinbach or uh, sure. Yeah, but yeah. Um, um uh, <laughs> what a different era it was, man. Just think, Walt Weiss won Rookie of the Year. Uh, <laughs> how how do you imagine his offensive stats were that year? I mean, I can look it up, man, but I'm just gonna guess he, he hit about 248 with three home runs. He couldn't even pitch good and 
hit dingers all day. Nope. <laughs> nope. No, it's a different what era a, now. What a dumb era. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just had to like I know be there's only really the one good guy, at fundamentals. Come on. It was the exact it was really the young Larry Bird skit. That was the era of baseball that, that was. Yeah, he was a proud young American. Yeah. Well, well he, wise. Didn't, he didn't cuss when he talked. So <laughs> they didn't sex till they wed either. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah, man, everybody knows I got the sweetest stroke. You can ask any of the cows. It's a good skit. Uh, oh, I don't remember life. many Kroll show skits, but that one will always stay with me. Oh, he only got 26 at-bats his first year. Let's not count that. Yeah, he didn't have... He, he still had his rookie eligibility. All right, sorry. I actually can't see... There's a big Capital One ad that's preventing me from actually <laughs> seeing the batting average. <laughs> That's a good sign. That's how you know a website's really working. Yeah, don't go All to right. baseballalmanac.com. In, in 1988. Uh, uh, he hit 250 in 88. I said, what did he hit, 248 with three home runs? Yeah. He hit 250 with three home runs. Yeah, you fucking exactly nailed it. Rookie of the year. No, it's okay, because he hit 39 RBI and 44 runs scored. <laughs> he, was, he made up for it in other ways. What is happening? Fundamentals, dude. They just looked at that guy, and they went, just keeps that glove down. Always puts his other hand behind the glove. It's just it's everything you want uh, out of a player. The guy copped an intentional walk. How I know. situational must that have been? <laughs> uh, coming up next, of course, is the catcher spot. Uh, Terry Steinbach, to to who, who uh, he did. No, it could. It must have been. It must have been Mike Welch or whatever that guy's name was. It couldn't have. Been, what was the second catcher? Oh uh, shit! Who was the second catcher? It was um. I used to remember behind this. Terry Steinbach. God damn it! It was Bob Welch. No, Bob Welch is the pitcher. No, Bob Welch is the pitcher. Uh, who am I the, fucking thinking of? Ron Hassey. Ron, Ron Hassey, Hassey yeah. is exactly who I was thinking of. Ron Hassey. Uh, yeah, up next Born is, of course, 1953. It's going to be the catcher spot, Ron Hassey, and he was stabbed in the neck earlier. He stayed in the game. And it uh, looks like they're going to they're gonna try to pitch to Ron. They're going to pitch to Ron Hassey here. And we'll, I mean, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Fundamentals, honestly, Walt Weiss, going to get a uh, free pass. <laughs> Ron Hassey hit 257 with seven home runs that year, so <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't it was, have made sense to yeah. walk. I guess it's kind of a whatever you want to do, set up the double play or whatever. <clears throat> Man. Do you imagine anyone did the thing where they intentionally walked a guy to set up the double play in the 80s? I feel like they would have been like, the pitcher would have screamed in the manager's face for that shit or something. They would have, been, <laughs> they would have talked about what a quitter mentality that was or something. Yeah, it probably wasn't super popular. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, that's enough about Walt Weiss. I mean, really, forever. No one needs to say and, anything else. And Lance Blankenship and Mike Gallego. All of them. The whole gang. You know Walt Weiss? <laughs> Go on. I know I said that's enough. But you know he, I, I know. He played a lot of years. He played 1,500 games. Um, do you know how many RBI he had in 1,500 games? I do because I'm looking at it. Oh, yeah. But, he um, played 1495 games. He had 386 <laughs> RBI. Yeah. He got an RBI not quite every fourth game. What of it? <laughs> he couldn't even. He didn't even have doubles power. He had nothing. Ugh. All right. Um, no, only 182 doubles in 1500 games. And those all came in Colorado with that incredibly large field, the huge outfield they have there to try to make up for their crazy thin air. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I like half of them. Half of them were there for sure. Crazy. <clears throat>
Oh. I mean, his lifetime average was 258, actually better than his rookie of the year season. Yep. He did. He was weirdly an all-star in 1998. Make that make sense. What a bad year Uh, that must have There was no one good on the 98 Braves, maybe? I mean, that can't be right. They were in the middle of their uh, fucking 15 division titles in a row, I think, in 1998. (laughs) Yeah, no, if I understand the bold on this team listing to indicate all-stars, then Greg Maddox went... (laughs) Uh, Andres Galarraga, sure, Chipper Jones. Yeah. yeah. No, they had Andrew pick. Jones, Ryan Clasco. Wow. <laughs> he had a lot of all-stars and Walt Weiss, of course. Uh, Walt Weiss also. He had zero home runs that year. He deserved it. Anyway, <clears throat> now that's enough Walt Weiss. Okay. Uh, it's not, we're not done with sports talk, though. Good. I mean, shit, you 24th? might as well just play the fucking sports around it. We never get to play it. I mean, I play it. I like it. <laughs> Oh, it's got that uh, paperboy base. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, there's the the correct platform. This is the same contemporary sure. of, of paperboy. Uh, we had a scoregami on the 24th. Mm. Miami 70, Denver 20. 70. 70. That was the kind of game where Miami definitely took all their dudes out pretty early. <laughs> and it didn't fucking matter. <laughs> Because here's the thing about the backups, they also want to score. And, uh, oh, yeah. Denver was not capable, to prove. not capable of stopping anyone who wanted to score that day, for sure. Uh, there was another Scorigami later, but it wasn't as interesting as 70 to 20. That's one of those ones where I mean, there can't be many 70 to anything, so odds are if you score right. 70, it's probably going to be a Scorigami. Yeah, it's one of those things where, theoretically... You could score almost any number of points. Like, in theory, you could score way more than 70 in a football game. Oh, sure. But it'd have to be one of those, you know, highest scoring college basketball, DeVry versus whoever, (laughs) and they had had a gentleman's agreement not to to throw it, but to just play as fast as possible for the whole game. Yep. I love stuff like that. I saw a uh, high school score. Uh, I don't know, like three weeks ago. And I think it was like 98 to nothing at the half. Good God. <laughs> and I guess the people were in the Twitter mentioned People were in the, the replies uh, who had fucking local knowledge of this podunk town. And I guess a coach had left one of the schools and gone to coach at the other school in this matchup and I, taken all the good players. <laughs> And then they beat the crap out of his old school. How do you take players in high school? Yeah. I mean, you just put in your transfer request. Like I used to go, oh, we're transferring to this other school in town. And then whatever process that is. But yeah, that's what people are saying. Mean, the, their uh, parents are like, well, does the school bus go there? Like, how's that going to work? <laughs> Coach is picking them all up every day. Maybe. I mean, if he's going to win every game by hundreds of points, maybe it's worth it. Just comes by in a 14-passenger van. (laughs) Yeah, like Mr. Ken or something. Exactly like Mr. Ken. You guys all know about Mr. Ken. Vacation Bible school. Yeah, this is something everyone... This is a universal thing. Everyone had their own Mr. Ken, at least. 
What's the point of the mister there? It's to show respect, but don't worry. He's not that high above you in the hierarchy. So you don't have to call him Mr. Johnson or whatever his fucking uh-huh. name was. It's just uh-huh. Mr. Ken. I mean, it was the same, right? The pastor of that church was Pastor Jim. Yep. Yeah, and I never, I didn't, when I was really young, I thought it was Master Jim, and I didn't appreciate that at all. I was like, this I don't guy. know what the deal was with Miss Lavoda. <laughs> was that her name? It's a family name. Well, Lesboda. some of the children were unkind and called her Miss Lesboda. <laughs> yeah, some of them. The Miz suggested she was unmarried. <laughs> that was enough. Hey, man, in 1990 or whatever, that was enough. The, it's she's that old and she's not married? In Must the be context fucking of the lesbian. Church, yeah. <clears throat> <sighs> when they'd show up with the vans all painted in Korean on the side. <laughs> I didn't even even remember that. Because they had like a van sharing agreement with that little Korean church that was by the percolation ponds. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I didn't remember that. Too bad I couldn't read the Hangul back then. Ah, exactly. I would have been practicing. I'm Um, so mad right now. I'm logged in as us instead of me. And I got to see these (laughs) actual trends right now. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing super offensive. It's like Candace is trending. I don't know what that's about, but... Um, oh, it's but not like worth it. finding out. I like it better when it's Korean. It's no longer trending for me, uh, but earlier... <laughs> the earlier trending was Burger King and Newports. <laughs> well, and I was tempted. But, yes, it um, feels like a particular this, kind of thing, for sure. This website does a thing that very much limits my engagement with it, which is you can't right-click on the trending window and select open a new window like they don't know that but it would really i mean you can control click right it it does the same thing okay but i'm a right clicker so like it would really drastically increase my engagement with trending the very limited time that i'm on this site if i could right click and open a new window. yeah that's enough for you you try it doesn't do it and you go oh never mind Uh, i don't care i don't care that much yep Oh, we're still doing um, sports. This is good. <laughs> yeah. You uh, you tweeted uh, on way back. You, t- you retweeted something from way back on January 16th, 2022. And we'll get to why this is relevant in a second. Yeah. Uh, Najee Harris once told me that Jim Mora told him he knew who killed Tupac during a recruiting visit. And I've never stopped thinking about that. <laughs> Jim Mora. I think they mean Jim Mora Jr., son of... Uh, legendarily dopish NFL coach Jim Moore, the one who uh... playoffs, playoffs. Talk about one of the talk about playoffs. One of the all-time great press conferences. Yeah, one of the guys when the time he went. Nah, oh, we suck. We sucked on offense. We sucked on defense. We suck. We suck. We didn't do diddly poo. Anyway, his son. Just as white as his dad. Just one of the all-time white bread football coaches. <laughs> During a there. recruiting visit. During a recruiting visit. Presumably to try to curry favor with an athlete. Told him he knew who killed Tupac. Hey, come play for UCLA. I got something that is really, this is, I think, going to motivate you a little bit. <laughs> if you, you know, come, you've, you probably always wondered who killed Tupac. If you sign a letter of intent to play for us. <laughs> I'll tell you. I will tell you who killed Tupac. I'll tell you. I got, I got the scoop. I'm Jim Mora. I'm connected. <laughs> My dad coach. is Jim Mora. I 
he used to coach the Atlanta That's how Falcons. I got the name. Okay? The Falcons. You know I know who killed Tupac. It's one of the craziest <laughs> things I've ever heard about recruiting. Anyway, they arrested a guy this uh, last couple of weeks. It, it barely even made the news. Yeah, yeah, a scant 27 years or whatever after, uh, after Tupac was murdered. They arrested a guy who they think was in the car with the guy who actually killed Tupac. Yeah. Who's been dead for a long time now. Yes, it was. Uh, I, the retweet was uh, <clears throat> it was topical. Yes, it was topical at the time, but that is a fantastic story. <laughs> I remember when that was originally tweeted and laughing at it, and then someone resurfaced it when that arrest was made. There's just like probably no way to game the system enough to do this, but can you imagine a hidden camera show where they somehow set up that this person was like a blue chip recruit, <laughs> and then you got to see the crazy shit that had... That college coaches and people said when they came on recruiting oh. visits oh no no you could definitely do it there are countless stories of absolutely fictional recruits <laughs> trying to get scholarships because once you're on scholarship they can't take it away or whatever so if you show up and right. you suck at football or whatever they'll just be like well that's not st- grounds to remove your scholarship you right. still got to go to school or whatever but uh and you still get to keep your scholarship but we, we ain't fucking playing you like there are people who just like make up fake highlight videos of just other people in the highlights and stuff. And they get themselves reviewed on, on these recruiting sites. Cause you know, the people who are doing that, they ain't got no standards or scruples or anything. They're just like, yeah, sure. Look at, uh, I, I went and saw this guy in person and he's legit. Cause they just got some tape sent to him or whatever. So yeah, no, you could definitely do it. Make up a fake recruit, get him into a recruiting visit and just, <laughs> I would I would just love to see the crazy shit these people who are the absolute centers of power in their own world think a 17-year-old thinks is going to be a, a good inducement to come play with them. Yep. Yeah. Because, <clears throat> uh, yeah, so anyway, that's another current event that's happened since the last episode. Like, they, they may or may not have a lead <laughs> on the murder of Tupac Shakur. Dead, age 25. This is more years ago than he got to live on, on this yeah, planet. Yeah, that is true. <clears throat> that is absolutely true. Um, on the third, you retweeted. This is a little bit memey and also a little bit current eventsy. Mm. A tweet that says you saying back from the White House already, and then me saying President Dog, President's dog's haunted, and you saying what? And then it says me loading a pistol and getting back on Air Force One. President's dog's haunted. <laughs> this is based on the aliens on the moon meme or whatever. Right. Uh, but yeah, because I guess. Commander of the dog. Uh-huh. Well, I guess is a real dog. Uh, yep. Has been acting real crazy this lately. Is the dog who's attacked the Secret Service a couple of times because <laughs> he uh, hates cops or whatever. But yes, but then. <laughs> two separate sources who adamantly refuse to be named. <laughs> That's my oh, I favorite mean, I part. My favorite part of it is the adamantly refused. You absolutely may not use my name. You are not under do any you, circumstances. Do you want to hear what I have to say or not? You, you may use not my use name. my name. But, check this out, the dog <laughs> uh, can sometimes be seen wandering the White House halls at night, sounding out a bizarre clicking noise. Maybe he's yeah. communicating with something. Do not use my name. Yep. <laughs> I just really want to stress that again here at the end. Nope, you may not quote me. 
as I leave this Hotel <laughs> 6, I just really want you to know. You may not use my name, but the dog's definitely haunted. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I guess since we're doing current events here real quick, Matt, I uh, everyone there survived the emergency alert system broadcast today? Yep. I mean, I had read something about it happening yesterday, so I wasn't that surprised when it started to happen. But I did think of all the people in meetings across the country. <laughs> and everyone's fucking phones going off at the same time. What a what a pleasure that must have been. The uh, the company I work for has their big annual conference right now, ah. and they like they had people on stage. They were live streaming stuff, but they knew it was coming, and they, so they sent out a warning. Hey, we know, we know that's going to go off. In, yeah, in there the will be an interruption week. when literally everyone in the fucking country gets this notification. Yeah, when everyone's phone goes off at around eleven twenty, happened to be eleven eighteen. And, um, and it did yeah. hit the different carriers or whatever at different times because my I have I'm in the dumb two phone situation. My work phone went off before my uh, it yeah. went off and stopped going off before my personal phone went off. But you didn't activate the five G chip inside your vaccine, right? Oh God, no! It's it's okay. not quite. End of days is still weeks away, right? Oh, okay, good, good, good. That's good. what I'm waiting for. I just love how undeterred by failure these guys are. When one of these things, when, for instance, John F. Kennedy doesn't come back to life in Dealey Plaza. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so it's just, oh, well. <laughs> they don't even say we were wrong about that one. They just say stuff like, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Time will tell. This is one of those things that you we may not ever really uh -huh. know the truth about. Yeah, uh, oh, no. It's going to be a couple of years before those activated vaccine chips kill two-thirds of the world's population. So <laughs> We're just not there yet. Just be patient. Is what I'm saying. Uh, we'll how see. closely did you um, did you pay attention to the uh, the description on that Gorgon video I sent you the other day? <laughs> oh, um, that was wild. I was surprised <laughs> in retrospect that that wasn't a mailbag contribution. Well, it's just that, it, that was it just took a lot private to between us. For the, there's a video of the Gorgon, the great Gorgon scene. Uh, the reason we say as you believe, so shall you do, so shall you do. That character, um, but it's got wild subtitles where like they are the subtitles but then also there's like but with a lot of parenthetical information yeah. about who is the power of satan and who is evil etc <laughs> it's just like worked in the app the worst cheesiest shittiest episode with the worst shittiest cheesiest character worst acted character and being yeah. like this says everything about real life yeah this someone is real definitely looked at that and said <laughs> Oh shit! Somebody was speaking truth to power here. I can't <laughs> believe this made the airwaves. I mean, it's it's dedicated. I mean, technically, it's dedicated to the sin and illnesses of the world, including the COVID nineteen originally created by the again parentheses negative force of the universe, who is putting parentheses fear in people and causing them to panic worldwide. If we conquer the fear of COVID nineteen, we can defeat it. Um, did you notice that this is a fan channel for a British actress who died in a car accident in 1968? <laughs> I did not click on anything else on that channel. No, I did not. Not only that, that, but it's called Virginia Maskell Channel Revived One, which makes me think uh -oh. this channel got banned or became, or you know, just went, for, just lay fallow for a while. Then this guy was fucking, he brought it back. Or, uh, or. Did he revive that actress? 
Uh, good question. <laughs> Let's just take a look at some of the other videos. <laughs> oh, is there more Star Trek? That'd be good. Uh, I couldn't believe that. I just wanted to see the Gorgon. I wanted to see some of the Gorgon scenes again for my own amusement. And I fucking found that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be a lot of full-length movies. <laughs> Well, that's or long episodes of things. Oh man, are they all subtitled with crazy subtitles? Oh, Good question. Doesn't look be. like it. That's uh, too bad. You still yeah, that was the, that was the chance for you to take a drink, take a long pause, and then go. Not really. Not really. <laughs> well, in fact, as I'm scrolling down, so I guess from the titles, it's very difficult to tell. But there is another scene that he's picked out for "Man, the Children Shall Lead." Oh no. Uh, we shall go to Marcos 12, <laughs> where we will find new friends. One million friends on Marcos 12. Imagine thinking also, that was something. On this, he lists the air date of this episode as October 11th, 1868. That's fun. <laughs> That's fun for everybody. <laughs> Very close. Uh, we got one more. Uh, we do have one more, don't we? Let's do it. Uh, Ryan, uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, Patrick Stewart has released a memoir. Okay. And Ryan wrote in with a quote from that memoir that says, Upon reflection, I would say that our show peaked in its fifth and sixth seasons. He wrote oh. with a link to a Hollywood Reporter site about the memoir and about Star Trek, etc. And about how he tried to get everybody to fucking... Stop goofing off and be serious. And he stormed yeah. off the set. And then Jonathan Frakes. This and, dude almost quit uh, the Globetrotters. He was close. <laughs> and Brent Spiner had to come and tell him, hey, man, lighten the fuck up. <laughs> this is a, a story dumb we've TV all heard show. a portion of before. Where yes. I think we've all heard uh, he was a real asshole in the beginning and would tell us to stop fucking around and stuff. Yeah. He, he thought he was doing Shakespeare fucking out here. And they were like, uh, Hey, buddy, you have you seen it. this shit? Hey. Hey, hey uh, we're working on an episode called Code of Honor. Are you reading the script? Hey, did you see the? Uh, did you see what I had to put on, what I had to wear in the episode <laughs> Angel 1? Hey, did you, hey, you remember a couple weeks ago we did that episode where we went to the planet where everybody fucks nonstop <laughs> and then you had to yell at their god about something? Yeah, maybe and you the didn't kid see the rest of it. was get executed for playing ball in the grass? Maybe you were absorbed in your part, but our part, nonstop fucking. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, did you hear this? Remember this? I'm not looking as huge one. Oh yeah. Do you remember that part? My first officer has taken an away team down to make contact, and they are in the process of returning to the ship. Riker says the planet's life forms are almost identical to us. He's very enthusiastic, Captain. Sorry, Troy. The doctor has something very important to tell you, Captain. You've been talking about it for days. Surely. Surely. Do you remember that? Do you yeah. remember that, Patrick? <laughs> I do like I really appreciate that both of those great clips are from the same episode. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I appear to have two copies of that huge one. And I love you as huge they, one. They're both garbled in a way that I enjoy. Oh yes. And I love you. <laughs> oh, they're as identical. Huge I just one. have two copies of it apparently. But yeah, uh <clears throat> So yeah, that is he is oh, telling yeah. <laughs> He 
he's you remember that patrick his version his version of the story which uh according to the excerpts in this thing that uh, ryan sent us he does seem to be saying it's on me yeah he does i think he says he it over and over every every story that is in that article is a version of him going that was on me my bad <laughs> Uh, well, but anyway, I don't this. think Landrew agrees. I don't think Landrew agrees that the show peaked in seasons five and six. Uh, no, if you were to look at uh, at Landrew and then look at the, let's say, the five episode averages, yeah. you would see that TNG's highest five episode average is around uh, week 20. So it's season from, one, bro, uh, from episode 18 to episode 22. That Those are the five best averaging episodes. Season one. And the, by the way, the second best is um, around week 32. So still very early. Yeah, man. The last time they've even been close to that was like week 65 or something. Uh, Yeah, and it wasn't that close. I guess it was a 40. I guess around week 62, they put up a 40, which is good. Yeah. So. But yeah, like in the last, I don't know, year of our lives. Their highest has been a thirty-one point eight around week one seventeen. So. Yeah, they suck ass. And um, by the way, it's fucking fallen into the toilet. Their five <laughs> episode average is the worst of the three right now. It's not good. That's extremely rare. Hold on, I'm looking back. No, that ain't never happened. <laughs> no, yeah, it's the last. It's the first Just time recently. they've been at the bottom. Yeah, for sure. Mm. They flirted with it around week ninety-one. Well, I'll tell you where they where they're really not getting points, and I noticed this earlier. Their world-building score is worse than Enterprise's, technically. Yeah. Well, they're the most committed to serialization. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so we've wasted an hour and eight minutes. That's a bad start. And but we these episodes talked were about trash. our Star Trek episodes yet at all. So. Yeah, maybe they'll be quick because they were not good. Um, please send us uh, toots on Mastodon. You can throot us on threads. No. Is that what it's called? No, I made it up. Okay. No one talking about threads. All right, good. Uh, but, you know, I just gave evidence that we do see them and we will talk about them and how bad British teeth were in the olden days. Yeah, you can just send that over and over again. Just lots of stuff about that. Uh, I mean, honestly, there there's probably there probably hasn't been a single day of my life this year when I wouldn't have watched six or seven minutes of... Uh, <laughs> Man on the street opinions from England in the 1970s. Sure. Yeah, that's the gift that keeps on giving. I'm going to watch this now. And you're totally right. It does add some context to all of English women used to wear headscarves. It adds adds a lot of context to all the Monty Python shit. Uh huh. Let's do this. All right. Um, We're going to talk about week 135 episodes of our Star Trek project. just 41 weeks to go after this one good great (sighs) worst score last week came from deep space nine so we're going to talk about the deep space nine episode first this week we watched far beyond the stars approaching the 29th anniversary of me getting my first electric guitar <laughs> still getting better all don't the give time. up kids you can get there you keep getting better and that's what i appreciate that's, that's right. what it's all about uh kira and cisco uh mourn the loss of the uss cortez lost near the cardassian border 
I guess Cisco knew the the captain or whatever. Yeah, uh, Quentin Swalfle. <laughs> I hope so. I hope it's Quentin Swalfle. I fucking wrote it down somewhere because I I will name a ship after it eventually. Oh, that's right. That is another name. I like how because uh, he's captain, he only knows other captains, and that's all that matters. So captain beefed it, not the hundreds it does of seem other to people be that way. A hundred by hundreds of other people died. He's doing better than Picard. All of Picard's friends are already admirals. That's true. Yeah, he's at least but he doesn't really want to be an admiral. But I think it's really because of what Philippe Louvois, that uh, absolute harpy, did to him on the Stargazer inquiry. Yeah. I mean, if it hadn't made him so horny, he would have held even a bigger grudge about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then old Admiral Cartwright Cisco pops into Benjamin's office. Here for a visit, I guess. Cisco confides in his father about how much hell war is. Did you know? <laughs> he says he might even step down from his duties as fleet master. Ass- assistant deputy commander of the Ninth Fleet. Whatever. Whatever his role is. I don't know. Then Cisco sees Rene Aubergeonois hanging out in ops, wearing an old school suit and hat, American style. Yeah, like he's yes. the fucking president of Earth and a Captain Proton. Yeah, it's it's so odd. He's like looking out the window, like what the fuck's going on? And then he's hanging out with Cassidy Yates when Michael Dorn walks by. Not Worf, just Dorn. Just Dorn from he's Chips. Pure Dorn. He's some kind of New York baseball giant, I guess. All tossing a baseball around and whatnot. And Cisco follows him right into busy New York traffic. And he gets yeah. plowed into by what I'm sure is one of Tom Paris's favorite historical objects. A 1950s taxi cab? Mm-hmm. He would be so into that. Uh, he wakes up in the infirmary and Bashir says uh, he doesn't know what's up, but he should stay overnight. Um... But it doesn't matter, because bam, he's right back in New York again. Getting a magazine uh, from a newsboy. I'm sorry. What Bashir says is, hey, remember when you saw that obelisk? Mm-hmm. And you started hallucinating. I was in prison at the time, but I read about it after the fact. <laughs> yeah, but it turns out my uh, my replacement did a very capable job that day. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it seems like that's happening again. Don't for, ask me why. For kicks, he did a successful brain surgery on you or whatever. Just to see if he fucking could. <laughs> Then he went, not that hard. Turns out it's not that hard. Oh, like all this solid shit, it's real easy. That's right. Anyway, he's trying to get a magazine from Newsboy Nog. All human, with a bad accent and everything. And he bumps into bumbling dummy O'Brien at the newsstand, and they head back to their office, I guess. That was a lot before the credits. Yes. It is um, stark opposition to one of the other episodes this week, which cuts to the credits at 40 seconds on a real big line. Mm-hmm. Back at the office, we've got uh, Lady in the Workplace in the 50s, Kira. Uh, grumpy Boss Editor Odo. Uh, high Maintenance Writer Quark. S- still English Bashir. More English, I guess. Extra English Bashir. Yeah, well, his name is, he, he's gone from Julian to Julius, so that is somehow more English, isn't it? Yep. It's an office drama now, I think. I guess these guys publish sci-fi stories. Again, this is 1950s New York. Uh, fucking Inwalks illustrator, Martok. And uh, they pick some art to write stories about. <clears throat> De- by the way, Martok definitely looks like a 
character that's only in the pilot of a sitcom that gets recast before the series, right? Like, yeah, specifically the one that came gets recast in, by Joe Rogan. I really had he really had the first maintenance guy before they cast Joe Rogan for the actual <laughs> series for News Radio. Yeah, it's Energy. true. God, he really did. Uh, anyway, Cisco's character is taken with this uh, drawing that he sees. It's a it's a space it's a space station, and it looks just like Deep Space Nine. Uh, Kira and Cisco are both writing, pretending to be white dudes. Kira, yep. obviously, for the dude part, and uh, uh-huh. Cisco for the white part. Uh, sorry, Benny. He's going by Benny. Um, Benny is hella mad about it, but editor Odo says, it's not my fault, man. It's just the times. I don't, I'm not coming in here trying to make you write as a, as a white guy. I got bosses anyway. Uh, on the way home, Benny runs into some corrupt cops. That's Ducat and Wayun. And uh, Cisco's just trying to get his space station drawn back from the cops. And they decide uh, not to take him in for priors because they're too busy. And then mm-hmm. I wrote here, this episode's already doing more work than basically every other Star Trek episode. Why? Because it's not about Star Trek. <laughs> Benny runs into Admiral Cartwright again, but uh, he's like a... Uh, Fire and brimstone street preacher, but he's all talking mm-hmm. but, about the prophets. But the religion is the prophets, yeah, and the prophets and whatnot. <clears throat> Benny gets home after another tough day as a black man in the city, and he starts writing his story about Benjamin Cisco and Deep Space Nine. Oh man, is this a saying elsewhere? <laughs> That's where I wrote that. Um. The next day, Cisco goes into the local diner and chats up girlfriend Cassidy Yates, the waitress. He's uh, proud of his great story about Deep Space Nine. Uh, she wants him to quit writing and uh, do something else. I wasn't sure what was happening. Somehow have the money to help her buy the diner out from under the woman who owns it. Yeah, and then the whole time she's complaining about how he, he doesn't have much money, so I don't really know. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know where that money's going to come from if not from writing. <clears throat> yeah. He doesn't seem like he has a big nest egg. Although his apartment's nice and it has a piano in it. That's true. Uh, then Dorn, as Willie Mays or whatever, comes in and chats her up. I mean, his name is Willie something. <laughs> then, fuck me, street thief Jack Sisko comes in trying to sell a stolen watch. He scoffs yeah. at Benny's ideas about black people on the moon. Nobody has any hope they'll be allowed there, I'm guessing. They ain't gonna let black people on the moon. Then we see Airhead Dax laughing about the lady having a worm in her belly. Which is disgusting and hilarious to her. And everyone says, this Deep Space Nine story is incredible. We don't know which story you wrote. Maybe it was the one with the lady who sucks the words out of Jake's brain. Or maybe it was the Dow Rock. I don't know. (laughs) You gotta stay out of my fucking notes. Because I for sure asked the question, which Deep Space Nine story was it? But I suggest that it might be Move Along Home. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that is a pretty great episode. The part where they got, do third uh, chat, I love, that's hey, outstanding. I loved the Clompeegs. Am I wrong to love the Clompeegs? <laughs> this, uh, the guy says I've got enough sticks. This fallow character. I think we could really... We could Search Master of the him. Wadi? Yeah. Uh, anyway. Hey, what if they'd cast Timison as fallow? Do you think that episode rocks now? I don't have any problem with fallow. Fallow's not the okay. problem with that episode. His oh, delivery okay. on where are the games is perfect. Fucking note perfect. Yes. <laughs> That's true. No, yes. No. Yes. Where are the games? 
He is perfect. The episode just isn't anything. Um, uh, anyway, uh, Boss Odo comes in and says, nobody will accept an unbelievable concept like black space captains. Odo blames everyone else in the world for this. The distributors, the salespeople, the readers, uh, probably, I don't know, politicians, whatever. But Quark calls him on his personal cowardice. Again, this is Quark as just a human. This is just Shimmerman. I, I don't remember what his name was. I'm sure he had one. Um, Odo won't back down. Make I the was going to say Eddie Haskell, but that's wrong. <laughs> that's, different. that's a different one. Make the captain white or else it can't be published. Uh, Benny's at the diner, bummed as hell. And then Willie Wharf Mays comes in and puts a hand on him. And he Benny looks up and sees Klingon Wharf. And he freaks out. But extra Klingon Wharf. Yeah, that's right. He's in like, isn't he in his Klingon gear? Yeah, he's in the leathers. He's not, you know, that's... he's not in the... Uh... Red top jumpsuit. It's an even weirder thing. Great. Now the stress of being black in America is making him see aliens everywhere and shit. Back home, Cassidy asks him why he's still writing about Ben Sisko when he can't sell the stories, but he doesn't seem to care about that. It's like, uh, it's an obsession now, because in the world of Ben Sisko, black people can have all the same things that whites can. Yep. So it's a fantasy he can't let go of. Also, he's now spinning wildly between both worlds from like. Mm, well, he can't have a white girlfriend. <laughs> well, no, not in a yeah, not in the world of Star a, Trek. Even if it's like a, the ghost of a, a dead man's wife <laughs> she or still whatever, has to be she's still gonna be black. Yeah, <laughs> so it's okay. Yes, you're right. You have to go. Well, she's something for sure. She could at be home. like Afro Caribbean or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Anyways, like he's dancing with Cassidy, but sometimes it's real. DS9 Cassidy and sometimes it's Waitress Cassidy and he's like losing his shit and the jazz swells the jazz swells in the background the next morning Odo the editor, the Odo tour maybe, is uh, hella pissed about the six new stories about Ben Sisko (laughs) that Benny brought him (laughs) I mean that does seem like a fuck you for sure it is a big fuck you (laughs) If your boss told you to stop doing something and focus on the (laughs) job he wanted you to do, and then you did it six more times and handed him the report, he'd be pissed. (laughs) Probably. Uh, uh, Anyway, he won't budge, but then Dummy O'Brien suggests that the whole thing could just be a big dream. That it would be acceptable if it was the dream of a black captain. And I've really started to worry about St. Elsewhere at this point. Yeah. Benny agrees to the dream thing in order to get a story published. And he runs into, again, Jack Street Stash Cisco outside who complains about some kind of situation he's in. Benny's worried about him, like a father figure. But one, like you see on the street every once in a while. And um, Benny rushes over to the diner and he wants to celebrate selling his story for three cents a word. And they go out dancing that night, and the jazz swells. <laughs> and they they bump into Street Preacher Cartwright, who says, this is only the beginning of the journey, and uh, there will also be darkness and pain. <clears throat> and he keeps talking about the prophets. And then he steps back into the shadows like a cartoon character. It's, uh, I laughed out loud. <laughs> it's, it's really something. But then gunfire erupts, and they run to see a Dead Jack Sisko. He's blasted by corrupt cops, Dukat and Wayun. And then those two goons beat the crap out of Benny for fun, I guess. 
And Benny looks up and sees Cardi Neck Ducat and Vorta Wayun doing the assault. Anyway, time jump, I guess. Benny's been recovering from that assault for some time, and he's finally going to go back into the office, and it's it's the day that his story's going to be published, his first DS9 story. And he gets there, and everyone's waiting for the magazines to get back from the printer. Uh, you know, they sort of... No one's quite sure how to voice their concern about the violent police beating he endured, but they, you know, they try to be nice. But the mood darkens when the Ototor gets back. He says, there's no issue this month. The whole run was pulped because the publisher didn't like, you know, black Captain Ben Sisko. And then he has to fire Benny. Yep. And Benny finally breaks down and says that they can deny he's a human being all they want, but they can't deny Ben Sisko. He exists in his mind. They can't (laughs) take it away from him. And he has a big meltdown, and the camera pans out on a destroyed Benny crying on the ground, and the jazz fucking swells. And they load him up to send him off to whatever horrifying madhouse existed in 1950s New York. But in the ambulance, Cartwright is there again, and Sisko's in his Starfleet uniform. And the guy tells him he's both the dreamer and the dream, and he whispers, it's a St. Elsewhere Benny. (laughs) You get it. Captain Sisko wakes up in the infirmary, and he's all better. Neural patterns are normal as hell. Nobody can explain it. Uh, his dad's ready to head to the transport and back to the old restaurant, and Sisko's decided that what this whole thing means to him is he's going to ride out this big space war after all. Yeah. See it through to the end. Then he says, but what if life is but a dream, though? Like in the <laughs> song, Dad. <laughs> and his dad handles that well. And the jazz. Well, you know it swells. The end. Yeah. Yo, bro. What was this one about? Um, first of all, congratulations <laughs> on getting through to that description. <laughs> when I was watching those scenes where it's just like, oh, and then for one shot, it's Cardassian <laughs> Ducat. Yeah. And then... Oh, this time he's wearing his uniform. I was like, thank God, because I would have had to stop it and go back and make sure I saw what I saw and write it all down (laughs) anyway. It's a little strange because it doesn't feel like this for most of the episode. But based on the framing device, it really feels like the message of this episode is whatever you're going through now, your life might be someone else's dream. So stay strong. (laughs) Just, I mean, if that's the message, I don't even know what to do with it. It's rough, How does right? it help me to stay strong knowing that my life is someone else's dream? I feel like I'd lose a lot of motivation I mean, at that point. It's just like, oh, look, man, people have had it worse. Thanks. Yeah. Like, Cisco hates the burden of his place in the war, his role in the war, until he spends some time in the racist 1950s. Sure. And realizes at least his job isn't being made worse because he's black and decides to soldier on. Yeah. I'm real uncomfortable with this as an idea because it's a lot like saying, look how far you've come. Stop trying to make it better. Like, and let this be (laughs) your last battlefield. I mean, true. Yeah. But also in the meta sense, look how far we've come. They wouldn't have had a black captain on TV 40 years ago is real self-congratulatory for how regressive network TV still was and still is. Yep. 
Sure. But but these people never... If they had uh, any self-awareness at all, all these shows would be better. (laughs) Don't you think? I mean, these people obviously are not capable of understanding their own place in anything. Uh, Yes, I think that the quality of these shows is compelling evidence that suggests (laughs) that they don't have self-awareness. You're right. So... Um, so while the themes in this episode are powerful, I don't think it really had a clear and compelling take. Sure. I'm between a three and a four on this. Yeah, the only way I could do it was by removing the framing device, because as you say, everything that Ben Sisko says, the Captain Ben Sisko, makes no fucking sense when viewed with the rest of the episode. She's like, that's what it was about? Hold on a second. It's, that's what it was about? absolutely don't connect the dots. It's just not yep. clear in any way why having gone through this weird profit hallucination. Yep. Presumably. Yep. I mean, unless he's dreaming that part too. War. Yeah. I don't know. It has, it, they're not connected at all. So I removed the framing and I said, hey man, you can't kill an idea. Maybe that idea leads to something great. But if it doesn't, it's still there, you know being powerful and chaotic and shit people can get strength from ideas try and stop it it's an episode about racism and prejudice but as, as you pointed out the framing is so dumb that it, I guess it also has to be about the value of ideas and imagination too and then also another thing about how far you've come so it is it's it's nowhere near a crystallized enough take about racism or the hope of a better future or anything at all to be more than a five for me. Um, what about world building? So again, removing the, sorry, execution, execution. removing the framing device. It's an effective episode, uh, and affecting like it's overwrought like a local theater production. Sure. Um, is it overacted like a lo- local theater production? Yes, perhaps. But the reality is that until the world looks far different from Benny's and also from ours, these stories will always be affecting because of the baseline cruelty and unfairness of racial bigotry should and does outrage. So even though it's not about Deep Space Nine, it's got a dumb as hell framing device and the actors aren't really up to it in a lot of cases. It's like it's a good episode of television. It makes you feel something um, bad, but it makes you feel something. So I gave it a seven. Okay. Well, we're drifting. (laughs) We're drifting here. Um, They went big with it. Yes. Uh, That's why it's so disappointing they had to water it all down with the terrible (laughs) framing device. (laughs) He could have said something about how someone who looked like him never could have been in his position or something. And that could have been the last thing he said. And you would have gone, well, at least that's what the episode was about. But he says the other thing and you go, wait, what was the episode about? Anyway. Well, it's like, there are possible ways to tie this, tie this together. Like, like you say, uh, someone who looks like him never could have been in this position. And by the way, if they lose the Dominion War, all solids everywhere are going to be relegated to second class status. Oh, yeah. See, there's something. Right? Yeah. They didn't say that. (laughs) They're going to become, you know, servants of the people who (laughs) wield the actual power. And it is going to be, it's going to be like Jack Sisko says, the only way they're going to be there is if they need someone to shine their shoes. Yeah. 
Yeah, they didn't make that connection. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> For the one thousandth time on this project, we said you could have done this. They didn't do that though. Eh, they didn't do any of that. Yeah. <clears throat> um. They flashed back and forth between different realities. There was a lot of cryptic religious talk about the prophets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Sisko said the N word. Yeah. Uh, there was powerful acting. Yes. And in the only scene that made me laugh, Brock Peters slowly backing into the <laughs> fucking shadows. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. And I got the <laughs> sense that they think it's very cute to see all of our actors in different roles and out of makeup. Yeah. But I was much less charmed by it than the actors themselves were. Sure. And also, why no Rom? Where's Rom? Yeah, you got Martok in there, but no Rom. You got Nog in there. But no Rom. Yeah. I guess if they did Rom, they would have had to do Lita. I was going to say, there was no Lita either. <laughs> or, um, uh, female changeling. Where was she? Yep. She How about Damar? Around. Was Damar in it and I didn't notice? I don't know. Damar didn't make this one, but he okay. is going to make the next one. I was going to say, I think I actually do remember Damar being in the other one. <laughs> He's in the other one. Guys, Sorry, everyone, by the spoiler way, guys, alert, there's, there's another, another one. one. There's Benny part two, so. Um, yeah. Story-wise, I think the what if all of Star Trek is a dream angle sucks. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, but the biggest problem is that I don't understand why any of this happened. Was this instigated by the prophets so that Cisco wouldn't quit the war? Do they mm. care about the war now? Yeah, maybe because he told them how important the war was that one time. The yeah. time they killed uh, all those Jemadar. My assumption is that no one is going to be very worried about uh, all of Cisco's absent seizures next week. Yeah. Um, I felt like everyone was very proud of this one, but I'm not sure that they actually said anything important, and I gave it a three. Okay. <laughs> uh, world building. Uh, the war ain't over. Which is only worth a point because Cisco admits that everyone was getting way too comfortable about it. I mean, like, fucking, this he can is blame the himself. reckoning for the from the wedding to now. Yeah, but that's it. I gave it one point. Yeah, uh, I gave it zero. <laughs> I mean, I could see zero. It's not. That's not crazy. I said, uh, "Is this all a dream? Not just Deep Space Nine either, but like just all of it, just the world and everything. Is everything a dream? Is that world building?" <laughs> Uh, gotta think the prophets are doing something here, but there's no evidence in the episode. Just a guy saying the word prophet a lot. So, yeah, there's just nothing. I mean, I couldn't find anything. I mean, yeah, there's, there's just the fact the thing that Cisco's having says, weird dreams. You have is the nothing same brain thing to like when it was the prophets, but we don't know why that is. Maybe yeah. there's another fucking obelisk. Yeah, yeah. Did someone move an obelisk into space near near New Space a, Nine? Someone hauled an obelisk up to the assayer's office or whatever. <laughs> Oh, uh, down on the promenade, but no one knows one of the about ten, that yet. One of the ten vedics assigned to DS Nine did it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. I found I found nothing in there that I found that I thought was going to matter uh, after this episode, despite the fact well, there then, is a part two. I bumped it back down to zero. So why don't you <laughs> why don't you go ahead and tell me about characterization in an I, episode where most of the people in it are a dream? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Cisco is having his Pike moment, I guess. Thinks he just might want to quit the whole dang thing. But it's way worse than Pike, because it's in the middle of the giant space war. 
Man, nobody likes the space war. Like, you're not supposed to like it. What is, what's the problem here? And uh, they probably wouldn't even let you quit, though. So, anyway, by the end, I guess he's got his groove back because of the horrible racism experience. It's Seems confusing. Like it. Cassidy Yates is in this episode. Cisco's dad is in this episode. Unfortunately, all the character work is done in Cisco's mind or real life. Who knows? So, I don't know. There's not much here. I gave it a two. Yeah. Um, Cisco is sick of this war, but I guess at the end he's still in it. And I guess his dad is okay with that. And so is Cassidy Yates. No one else <laughs> there you go. that is a regular person is in it in any meaningful way. Yeah. I Just Bashir saying like stuff you. like, I don't know. I don't know. Though. Yeah, you now you're only out five minutes and everything's normal now. So, yeah, you know, I guess it's fine. I guess it's fine what happened to you just now. I got paid for this episode. <laughs> All right. Well, um, um, yeah. Uh, what'd you give it again? A two. Okay. Uh, yeah, quick ones then. I thought it was very cool to have a hard cut from a hallucination to Cisco clearly not having gone to see a doctor. <laughs> that's, star- that's Starfleet for He's just like, oh my God, I need to go hang out with my girlfriend. I thought I just saw Odo dressed <laughs> as the driving crooner. Um, <clears throat> yeah, man, that's, that's Starfleet training. Do not worry about it. Hallucinations, no big deal. I wrote, I bet when I go to Memory Alpha, everyone's going to talk about what a great time they all had out of makeup and doing dumb accents and like, I get it, but guess who doesn't enjoy it? This guy. Yeah. Sure. But we got to see Alemo with, you know, he just looked exactly the same. I guess his makeup didn't really change his face. Not as much on his face, really. (laughs) Uh, at one point, they showed some fucking B-roll of New York that was, I think, the lowest resolution footage <laughs> that's ever been on any Star Trek. I did, I did notice it was uh, a bit blurry up there. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It looked like um, looked like when I took Driver's Ed in the 90s, mm. and they were uh, everyone had the uh, simulators, which we called the washing machines. Yeah. And you were like, there was a little film playing where you were driving uphill and clearly in Florida in a car. Yeah. You had to like not stall your washing machine. Anyway, it kind of had that vibe. Sure. I wish one of the two, Cisco or Cassidy Yates, had said, why is he backing into the shadows like that? (laughs) Hey, man, I can still see you. (laughs) Yeah. Like you, uh, you're just standing there like you didn't, you're not going anywhere. I'm just here. Look, now I'm standing next to you. Do you see? Now I'm in the shadows. Yeah. Oh, and look, my eyes adjusted, and I can see you. <laughs> now, do I have the power now? Should I? I'll just start talking about the prophets. Hey, man, are you one of the prophets? What's going on? Yeah. Uh, this one was directed by Avery Brooks, who gave himself a lot to do. Yeah, he did. Holy shit. He directed his breakdown scene at the end. When you're that uh, in the episode, normally it is, you definitely don't expect to see them as the director. It's my ship, Will. <laughs> see, yeah, it's like that, where you show up in the episode randomly and you just go, and then and then Picard, uh, he, he takes over, because it's, it's, it's his ship, you see. Jonathan. 
Hey, uh, hey, Jake's a writer. He's probably working in that office too, right? Maybe working on Anselm in there. <laughs> nah, you can't have two black writers in there, man. No one would believe that. Make him a street hustler. <laughs> With the nastiest street stash. <sighs> and also another terrible accent. Mm-hmm. The, the younger actors on the show, uh, I guess it's not a surprise, did an even worse job <laughs> than the other people. Uh, best actor was a tough one for me this week. I eventually settled on uh, Quark. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Probably because he plays the character who cares the most. Yeah, and that's probably pretty easy to get a hold of, as opposed to. What about um, the ditzy secretary? What about uh, bad guy the Odotor as an agent of the status quo? I thought he was pretty good. Uh, he was okay. He would have been my second choice probably. Okay. Worst actor I gave to Nog. He's barely yeah. in it. It's not fair, but the, like you said, that accent was nothing, and I didn't like seeing him not as a Ferengi. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. also. R.I.P. Yeah. Don't show me him out without makeup. Makes it sadder for some reason. Uh, uh, did you write down some quick hitters? They were most of the same ones. Everybody was doing their fucking best today, so picking best and worked act- best and worst actors must be painful. I said Odo as an agent of the status quo was good. Obviously, there are scenes where Cisco goes hard. Uh, yeah, Shimmerman isn't the star, but gets some good stuff. Cassidy Yates is actually pretty good. On the other hand, Street Stash is bad. Newsboy is bad. Willie Wharf Maze is bad. Weirdly, this is the best acting Terry Farrell has done. Terry Farrell has done, maybe because she was actually acting as another character, even if it was reductive bullcrap. Well, they didn't put her. They didn't make her pat her bra for this role, so maybe <laughs> that was comfortable for her. <laughs> she just felt more at home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. it's like those pads, they cantilever her a little bit forward. And then, sure. you know, that messes up your whole alignment from your diaphragm to your throat. So no, it's your spiritual alignment as well. Yep. I think when I wear a bra, I feel less spiritual. Interesting. That probably would be the case if I put one on. That doesn't feel like a <laughs> spiritual activity to me. <laughs> no. <laughs> you, you don't put it on. And, I don't know. I guess I'll try it. I'll give it a shot and I'll let you know if I feel closer to God or anything. When I put it on. Uh, there ain't any bras around this neighborhood that would fit around my chest. <laughs> but just the band is a real problem. <laughs> they don't got they don't got a lot of I don't know anybody that's got a fifty four any cup. No, that is a tough measurement for sure. Yeah. Um that's it for me. So we can move on to a very another very good episode. I know. I'm particularly excited. Um you know, you we've now we've teased that there's a second adventure of Benny Russell. Yeah. Don't remember. Um, but we get to talk about a second adventure <clears throat> right now because the next episode we're going to discuss is Voyager, and this week we watched Spirit Folk. <laughs> Tom Paris is driving a dumb early car through Fairhaven when he crashes into some barrels. It's just like, I don't know if it's a record because Voyager's so bad, but it might be a record for the fastest I've been pissed off at Voyager. <laughs> the first frame is Tom Paris obviously drawing an old fangled automobile with like soot all over his face. And I just instantly, instantly angry at this episode. No, it's extremely tough for sure. Hmm. 
uh, to make matters worse, fucking Bataille is back. God damn it, they didn't, didn't hire lost. any Irish he, he people. He didn't get wiped. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they did, and we'll guy. talk about it. Okay. Um, and he figures Tom Paris must have money if he's got a car. But worryingly, he also notices when Tom Paris uses the computer to fix his car. Mm. He goes to the bar and tells everybody all about it. Michael Sullivan, everybody, in a yeah. rare scene with none of our main characters. It is interesting. All of these imaginary people we know are not real have an argument about whether fairy folk are real and whether strangers like Tom Paris wiped the town of Kilmannon right off the map. But yeah. then Katie O'Claire herself walks in and everyone goes back to their business. Meanwhile, on reboot quality CGI Voyager, <laughs> yep. Harry Kim is replicating lilies for a date in Fairhaven with Maggie O'Halloran. He overhears an argument between Tom and Bellana about how dangerous it is to run Fairhaven around the clock for weeks like he's been doing. But no one seems real worried. No. Tom decides to fuck with his purported best friend. He's going to sneak into the holodeck. <clears throat> um, I'm, sure that, that, I'm sure that Harry Kim had to write down on the sign-up sheet that it was a when private was, session. When he was doing that date, yeah. That it was a private sure. session because he might di dip it in there. Uh-huh. Um, but Seamus... And a new character, Milo, who's not mm. better than Seamus, <laughs> uh, are following Tom Paris around while Irish soundtrack music plays. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, yet another hate crime. Harry's having a fun old date, telling <laughs> made-up stories about his life out on the sea. Um, but then Tom Paris pulls out some kind of pad mini, like a pad mini, like if there yep. was one. Yep, they finally got one. Maybe they yeah, invented exactly. the Pad Mini on Voyager. They Maybe invent a did. lot of stuff. Well, it's like... <clears throat> he had this phase when he thought everything should be smaller on the Delta Flyer. Like, <laughs> the, also, the chairs are 40% as big. What do you mean the chair... No, but then people won't be able to sit in them right. Yeah, but they're smaller. But they look, look how right. sleek it looks. <sighs> okay, the toilet's 40% as big. What if one of the Bolian crew members needs to use it? <laughs> this looks Can like I one of those mini pads? This looks like yeah. one of those tiny holes that practical jokers put in your toilets that'll only that'll only fucking flush farts Just down. Farts. Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah. You know what, Tom? You can have mini pads and phaser one. That's what you can have on there. <laughs> anyway, he pulls out this thing to do some pranks. He turns Maggie into a cow. Which he finds hilarious, but which the featured extras this week find demonic. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, especially when they then hear the voice of Chakotay out of nowhere summon them back to work. Because, again, Tom and Harry didn't look up when they were going to get where they were going or whatever the fuck. Yeah, as always, he had that hot date plan for the fucking moment they showed up and wherever they were going. And they got called right to the bridge. Yep. <laughs> um... Schmollis is giving a big sermon, which he enjoys, but he is actively getting heckled in the crowd. <laughs> of uh, hologram people. All the holograms are heckling him. Uh, <clears throat> when, 
when Seamus and Milo come in with the cow and tell everyone that Tom Paris and Harry Kim turned Maggie into this cow right here, this one. <laughs> and he covers for them a little by saying he saw Maggie earlier, but and he asked them to leave the cow behind. And then I guess once everyone has left the church, he undoes it somehow. We don't yeah. see that, but we do see Maggie rematerialize at her cart just before Seamus and Milo get there. And then the next scene should be the doctor having summoned everybody to say, listen, uh, these guys uh, know what's up. The holodeck characters have become sentient and we have an ethics. We have an ethical dilemma now, but that's not what happens. No, you barely don't don't tell no one. (laughs) It's a Uh, real changeling. It's a real, uh, the changeling pretended to be Kira's situation. (laughs) It really, it very much is. Uh, Seamus and Milo interrogate Maggie about her date with Harry Kim, and she tells him she had a strange dream where she was walking around town with nothing on but a bell, even in church. Uh, And then we see another scene of all day players doing Irish accents, and everyone discusses all the times they've seen the Voyager crew use their strange powers. Yeah. Michael Sullivan breaks up what is uh, quickly turning into a mob. He seems to agree that something has to be done, and he's in a bad mood when Janeway shows up for her next date with him. He tells her all about the things the people have seen, and how he looked into her, and no one in County Clare knows her. And where does she go when she leaves, and who was she thinking of when they were making love last night? Yeah, also. Was it a good-looking stranger or a close friend of his? <laughs> how could you How could you betray me like this, or whatever the, other, whatever the Spanish language lyrics are? Yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> they took out all the really, like you said, all the interesting ideas. Like, I'm so bad at fucking that the fact that you enjoyed it last night means something crazy is happening. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and then it, instead it's, who were you thinking of when you were making love last night? Don't tell me you were thinking only of me. And, <laughs> That's nothing. And then, and then later, I can't believe that you have betrayed me. <laughs> It's really the Spanish Spanish language lyrics of who were you thinking of are terrible compared to the English lyrics. It's too bad. It is a real shame. I was hoping that I would get to learn how to express some interesting ideas yeah. in Spanish. Because Duolingo. Duo has wild sentences, but he ain't teaching me. No. Uh, you got more out of it than I put into it last night. No, nah, that's a, yeah, you would definitely, you'd have to go to pop music for that, but it didn't work. Yeah, the Texas tornadoes work. don't have it in them. Janeway doesn't know what to fucking say to him about this. She just ends the program. <laughs> yeah. And again, now you know what we'll talk about it. It's fine. <laughs> um, later in the hall, she asked Tom Paris what the hell he did in there. And he said he just made a few tweaks. But Bellana looks into it and she says there's damage in all of the characters' subroutines. So Tom and Harry go to the lab and they bring Sullivan in. He's still aware of where he is, though he shouldn't be. And he seems to figure out what's happening in time to play along with them and pretend that they've fixed him. Only because Tom and Harry are dumb this week. I mean, most weeks, really. Yeah. Um, They send him back to his bar with a plan to reset the whole town. But of course, he heard that too. So he summons the town doc, the guy who earlier wasn't superstitious about the fairies, to the church so they can have a heart-to-heart about what he saw. Hmm. But meanwhile... Tom and Harry do seem to figure out that they didn't fix him. And they're just like, all right, well, we'll just have to fix it when we fix everyone. This is not an emergency in any way. This is fine that he saw, that he understood. 
It's totally fine. And there are, it's not. There are no examples of anything going wrong when the holodeck characters become sentient. Uh-huh. The ship's never been captured or anything. Nope. nope, 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 nope. This will be fine. They walk off, and Janeway leans over to Chakotay, and she says, I'm really embarrassed about my holograph boyfriend right now. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like a full-on sucker. <sighs> He keeps saying well, stuff to me like about my mommy milkers, and I don't know who taught him that. Who taught it's him to say that? Pissing me off because I'll get real into it. I'll be like, I'll be like, in we'll be into it, and I'll be like really ready, and then he'll say something about my mommy milkers, and it's just I'm out. Totally like out. honestly, I know this sounds weird to say, but I don't think Tom Paris could have thought that up. He's not dirty <laughs> like that. No, this is some. This is some. He's way more shit. basic than that. Harry Kim too. That dude fucks in the holodeck or whatever, but he would never say mommy milk. But no matter what I do. Now that I think about it, he does think of me as kind of a surrogate mom. And if he's got some. This this definitely could be a Harry Kim thing. Honestly, now that I think about it, Harry Kim probably taught Michael Sullivan mommy milk. And you know what? He's really persistent. It doesn't matter how many times I put in their fucking system command. Those are not to be referred to as mommy milkers ever again. It still just pops up. It still just pops up later. I'm not busty, but maybe his mom was. Uh, <laughs> you gotta think about it. Was she? Is she Korean? Do you, hey, do we know anything about his mom? <laughs> Computer is Harry Kim's mom busty. Um. Anyway, I only brought that up because the I read a hilarious Twitter thread or whatever of people trying to get raw with AI, just trying, <laughs> and the AI just ruining it in so many ways. Where they would say something like that, and the per- and you see the person who is trying to do a, a sex chat with an AI typing back stuff to just as like "bruh" after <laughs> "mommy milkers" comes out. Yeah. Anyway, oh, it's I mean, uh, what else would AI be used for? Of course, of course, it's used for sex chatting, and uh, of course, they, it's not up to it yet. Oh man. And canonically, everybody fucks in the holodeck. And yeah. Sometimes, when it's not a well-crafted Reginald Barkley-style program. Sure, with uh, pro- it's, prostitutes and everything. It's got to be the case that it gets weird in there. And then there's a guy uh, during the third shift in the middle of the night, and he turns to his coworker and says, Hey, I know we don't have a relationship like this, but can I tell you about something weird that happened to me in the holodeck? <laughs> Like, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not appropriate, and it's okay if you want to say no about this. But That's right. This Fair is warning. It's fucking, honestly, it's eating me up a little. <laughs> Shit got so weird in there, man. It always does. Anyway. <clears throat> anyway, the computer wanted me to wear a diaper. <laughs> uh, in the holodeck, Sullivan is talking to Doc Fitzgerald about the things he can't explain, but also about how they'd better be prepared when Tom Paris shows up at the pub. So, sure enough, the two doofuses walk in with toolboxes and uh, because they ha- no, 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 no. I called them doofy. So Doofy. Okay. Please please do Please get in my notes so you can get the fucking good words and then get get the fuck back out again. Well, this is Voyager and in Voyager, this is a holodeck program that has to be fixed from inside the holodeck while the simulation's running uh-huh, by removing uh-huh. a panel and working on yep. something behind the panel. You remember, you remember the World War 2 where it Just was like all, in World War 2. They all had to open up the wall to work on the panels. Whoever uh, First of all, whoever designed the holodeck 
their sins have sent them to hell for sure. But whoever designed Voyager's holodeck and put all the access stuff inside the holodeck, mm. absolute criminal. Yep. Um, That's probably that Betazord guy. What was his name? Oh, Lon Suter? Lon Suter must have done that shit. Okay, that is some, yeah, that's the, that came from a sick mind, that idea. Yeah, definitely. All right, so they, they start working on this panel. Meanwhile, in the church... Uh, Seamus has pulled together a book all about fighting fairies, but some of the guys just have regular guns. So yeah. a lot of different approaches are being considered, and the whole thing is making Sullivan very nervous. <laughs> well, I mean, they... I would try guns first just to see because it's easier. <laughs> like, I don't need magic weapons or anything if they work. Just yeah, but if guns, guns work, you've, you've started with murder is the problem. Oh, I thought the whole point was to murder the fairies. Are they, they don't want to murder the fairies? It dep- I guess it depends on how much they think they're fairies. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the alarm is raised and the fucking Penny Whistle gang heads over and throws a bunch of twine over their heads. Mm-hmm. And then one of them shoots the panel and that turns off the safety protocols in the holodeck. What doesn't, man? Not only that, but... Hold on, just real quick. It's the first thing to go every time. Probably something like 500 Star Trek episodes in. No, it's got to be more than that. It's a minimum of 578. Sure. Oh, no, because Enterprise, you'd have to knock off. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But something like the 500th episode of Star Trek, Hmm. a new holodeck failure mode occurs, and the computer is able to partially freeze the program. Yeah, 60% of it or whatever. Yeah, so some of the people are frozen, but some of them are still chasing Tom and Harry, and they can't get to the arch. And they get bundled back into the program and tied up. Well, they detect this on the bridge. Janeway holds a little conference. Seven's awake now. I guess she was asleep earlier. I don't know. She's been dealing with kids or something we didn't see. Oh, man, let me tell you. I only got one. She's got to deal with, like, four of those fuckers. I know. Must just be constant. And they're sort of in various stages of puberty also. Yeah, but it also can't be like, great. but also they spend a lot of that time in Borg maturation chambers, so they don't know nothing either. It's tough. Oh no, no, no! She's got to sit those kids down and scratch something into the bench with tan bark and tell them uh, to make too much. Not too much, you know. Um, Everybody, use your own experience as a guide. Anyway, she pipes up at this point and says, "Let's storm the holodeck by force." Uh, that's going to be dangerous for everyone with the safeties off. Balana wants to turn off the hologrid. Seems like that's not dangerous to the people in it. Sometimes it seems like it is. This time it doesn't. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't say, but we'll lose Tom Paris's program forever. No, no. But what they will lose forever if they do that, Fairhaven. And this week, Janeway <laughs> yes. has decided that her feelings about Fairhaven and Tom per- and uh, Michael Sullivan particularly are real. Mm-hmm. And so she doesn't want to do that. She wants to send Schmollis in on his mobile emitter so he doesn't get glitchy in the holodeck. So they can slap fucking Viridian patches or whatever onto Tom and Harry so they can beam them out of the holodeck. Yeah, what the fuck was that? Yeah, that's the plan. Um, It's not too bad in the church when he goes in there. People are throwing berries at Tom and Harry. Uh, Seamus is reading incantations that don't do anything. It gets a little worse when Milo threatens to tie them to a lamppost to show them how they deal with Fairies. How they dealt with fairies in the old, in the olden days or something. Yeah. yeah. And um, they're sick of Sullivan sticking up for him. So he, he 
they let him know that he's kind of tying his lot, throwing his lot in with them. Yeah. And then Schmollis bursts in with a cry of sinners and tries to shame them out of their behavior, but they already figured out that he's one of them. Yeah. We didn't see that scene, and he didn't see that scene. There's no way he should know this, but, sure. um, I mean, sorry, we saw that scene. Yeah, we, we saw the one where the lady complained about the doctor doing whatever, yeah, disappearing yeah. or whatever. So they tie him up, too. They take off his mobile emitter because it seems satanic to them. And then that transfers his program to the holodeck, so now he can't be beamed out of there. And also, even worse now, if they shut down Fairhaven, they're going to lose Schmollis. So no, that is what they're usually worried about. Yeah. Because he ain't backed up, man. That's fucking probably for the best, and I bet Janeway wishes she did that when she later reads the report, because the next <laughs> thing that happens is these fucking villagers, fucking Bataille, <laughs> hypnotizes the doctor by waving a spoon in front of him. Yeah, And he becomes real. hypnotized because yep. he's on the glitchy holodeck. That's real. Under hypnosis, he starts telling them about Voyager. This is a thing that happened in this episode, everyone. This is not a joke. Michael Sullivan gets him to indicate to the mobile emitter, and then he puts it on and gets beamed to the bridge. Now, on the bridge, Janeway tells him her real name. She takes him on a little tour of the ship. She tells him they're explorers and time travelers. She is still committed to lying. Yeah. To a certain degree. Despite the fact that I, she's been told by three or four different people in this episode that she needs to just tell the truth. I think. There's a, in the scene where she's like, I, my boyfriend is embarrassing and I don't know what to do about it. Chakotay says to her, you just tell the truth, man. You told, you've always told me, just tell the truth. Mm-hmm. She don't do that. She doesn't do it in this episode, man. Uh, it's fine. There's no consequences to it. No. But she don't tell him that. She tells him they're time travelers or whatever. She The thing she doesn't explain to them in any way is that they are not real. Yeah. That they are simulations and that they can be shut down and erased. Mm-hmm. Because... I don't want to hurt his feelings. I mean, this is where it would have happened, but this is not an episode where anyone recognizes that the holodeck characters have developed sentience yeah. or have any kind of rights yep. or <laughs> no that they have any responsibility it. toward them. No one talks about it, but they do treat them well. Yeah, but they treat them well because they're nice people. I guess. That's it. Yeah. Um, She gets a call from Tuvok because he can tell from his sensors that the townspeople are piling kindling at the base of three lampposts. That still somehow is not enough for him to figure out who to beam out of the fucking holodeck. No, and she also doesn't really rush after that. She's no. like, give me a minute. Oh, Talk, t- talking got, to my hey. boyfriend. We got great medicine. Tom Paris can be burnt a little. <laughs> I mean, honestly, just hearing your description and thinking about it, like, she must have done the calculation and thought it was okay to lose a Harry Kim if she can get rid of Tom Paris. <laughs> yep. Because it doesn't make any sense that she didn't try to rescue them harder. Uh, We see her walk into the church with Sullivan. He tells them about the incredible machines on Voyager that we never saw. And reminds them that in all their stories about strange doings, none of the none of the Voyager crew were violent or evil, except, of course, for the cow thing. No one brings it up. No one says, but what about what's-your-name got turned into a cow? Someone did us say it, and Tom Paris says, I promise that'll never happen again. Oh, anyway. okay. I was, gonna, I was thinking, like, um, fucking Tom Paris ruined it again, but they let him off the hook. But I'm glad they didn't. 
Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, she should be so mad at him. Anyway, Janeway says, if they want, her people will leave and never return, but they'd like to stay friends. And of course, mm. Sullivan wants that too, and I guess that's it. Yeah. Well, he's the mayor of that town, I guess. <laughs> yep. In engineering, Janeway tells Tom Paris, Fairhaven can't run 24-7 anymore. But That's... she wants to leave their memories intact so that everyone will know they're fucking moon men and they can all go back to play in the new version one last time. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, yeah. Are you interpreting all the symbols? I don't know. Searching your subconscious for their meaning? I never know how. I always try. But those are just words, Chaco. <laughs> like, explain to me how to do it. Uh, I had, you can be friends with spirits or time travelers or whatever, as long as they're friendly. <laughs> I call this the Casper Maxim. Um, or. That's one of their lower end mattresses, right? <laughs> the Casper Maxim? Yeah, it's, uh, that's definitely the budget model. Um, or, I don't think it's very polite to make other people feel stupid. That lady has one line in Field of Dreams, but it is so stuffy and humorless that it comes off as an absolute heat check. You just go, damn, that lady did good. Uh, Which I guess is like, it's not nice to lie to people who are smart enough to hear the truth, man. But then, like you said, she doesn't tell them the truth, though. She does not. But like, you can, like, not bugs and stuff. You can lie to bugs. But like, maybe not like a really smart (laughs) beluga whale or something. I don't know what the cutoff would be there. You can lie, you can, okay, so here it is. You can lie to a, to a yellow lab, but you okay. can't lie to a border collie. Too <laughs> yeah, smart. that's right. That's where the cutoff. It's in mid-dog. It's a mid-dog it's mid cutoff. Dog. It's mid-dog yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Other than f- feel bad for the people of this stupid hollow fantasy, are we supposed to care at all about any of this shit? I'm going with the Casper Maxim for one point. All right, so... We're weirdly in the same area. The thing that I've actually written is, why should I hate you? We ain't that different. We may Mm. act different in some ways, but we still group together like a fucking survey. (laughs) Um, Uh People have a memory loss, Matt. I get it. (laughs) Sorry, that's not from that song. That's from uh, Madness. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. uh, You can always recognize the cadence of uh, of a Deltron song. Uh huh. You mean because it's great? And oftentimes the techno babble in a Voyager episode sounds like it. Could you just plug it right in? <laughs> it's true. If it's about anything, it's about not letting paranoia and xenophobia take over. Okay. Like, it's okay if they're fairies, if they're good fairies. Yeah. This is basically, we're saying the same thing. I mean, that's so the lesson with... the townspeople learn, and since we know they are capable of learning lessons because they're sentient people, apparently. Uh-huh, yeah. Then, yes, that is, I guess, what happens in this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. working with the newcomers and making friends, etc. And that's all fine. Of course, at the end of the day, Voyager can make them all never exist again. Yep. But I <laughs> what guess choice do they have? Principle that counts. That's right. You know what? I had it all the way up at a five, but I'm going to be in the middle on a three. Okay. I just don't know what to do with it. That's the only thing. It's like, okay, that's nice. Yeah. I mean, is that going to matter? I guess only if the aliens really do come someday or something. I don't know. What am I supposed to do with it? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, 
a better show would do a better job of getting across the idea of uh it's not like don't attack people because they're different you know like yeah but it's not even especially just if different. they're not doing bad things yeah but it's not but if it was only but just they're different, different. They're of a different order i get it yeah they're different in a in a uh, cosmic way or something they're like uh, powerful or whatever And they and it, they don't interrogate it, right? Like, when someone says, I don't know, I mean, Harry Kim <clears> used <throat> it to make it stop raining. No one said, my crops needed that rain. <laughs> Do you know, <laughs> like, they don't interrogate it at all. They're just like, oh, And it's a very dumb rain. idea to say no more rain just because this idiot didn't want it to be raining. Uh, she saved my daughter. And then she said that I must have forgot and that I never had a daughter. <laughs> or that my daughter never fell in the well. But why yeah. did I have the bowl, Bart? That's right. Why did I have the bowl? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Yes. Execution. Sure. <clears throat> Look, it's a dumb episode. It's not good. Most of the time, the stakes of the episode is are... Are they going to have to shut down Fairhaven? <sighs> the thing and that Fair Harry Haven. Kim said in the previous episode, in the middle of a big old shaky emergency... Uh-huh. And I was furious. And yes, those are the entire stakes of this episode. For uh, until almost the very end, when the holodeck safeties get shut off. Yep. And Fairhaven is a crime against Ireland, and every <laughs> single one of your companions in Constellation would uh-huh. approve if you shut it down, and then your persuade skill would go through the roof. That's right. But it takes a turn for the super dumb when. Instead of Janeway taking Chakotay's advice and telling them the truth, Shmullus gets hypnotized into giving the game away. <laughs> the last scene in engineering should have been Janeway saying, shut it down. Next time they'll take over the ship for sure because we're dumb as fuck. Yeah, you see who we got working on this ship? Fuck me. No, we should, no, holi- okay, I have it in my notes later. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Hey, heads up, everyone. The doctor got hypnotized in Yeah, that's there. a thing. Hey, everyone, that's a thing that happens now. And no one said that it happened, but also Harry Kim looked real glassy-eyed. Was he partially <laughs> hypnotized? I don't know. <laughs> also, nobody go in there and tinker with the doctor to try to fix that, because I know you will break him worse. We have apparently no good hollow programmers on this entire ship. Look, it's not that bad. It's not rascals or whatever. <laughs> I think mainly because they got a real Irish actor to play Michael Sullivan, and he comes in every other scene to act like a real person instead of the drunk leprechauns from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. It's true. Not only is he real Irish, but he does act like a real person unlike everyone else. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's, he gives the only grounded performance in the whole show. Yep. He's just like, uh, I went looking for you at the castle and you weren't there. Where'd you go at night? <laughs> oh, look, like, I oh, mean, okay. look, if we're being real, when we do the actor rankings, he'll probably be on top. Well, he's in two episodes, he qualifies now. It'll be him and Degra on top <laughs> of, these, <laughs> of those two shows. <laughs> Degra, the villain from that one season who wasn't that wasn't really a villain or whatever. Uh, Degra knocked it out of the fucking park, man. Yep, that's uh, I'm and just also saying. Also, unnamed primate counselor. Who was very good. primate Zindi counselor. Also very strong. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's Michael Sullivan. He's gonna win on, uh, in our rankings. 
Um, but no more, please. No more yeah. Fairhaven. Yeah. I gave it a three. Okay. I mean, this might be Rascal's Bad. <laughs> I didn't put it in my notes, but it might be. I like. I said, what is there even to say about this one? It was Stink Nuggets for sure. Typical holodeck nonsense. Some of the worst fucking episodes take place in there. They said, I can't believe they didn't hire any authentic Irish in between these two episodes. Still just the same assholes. Uh, this is what happens. I'm telling when, you, man, there's one more in there. You just haven't figured it out yet. I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, this is what happens when Bethesda makes your hollow program. Um, okay, you know I don't like it when the crew seems inept, but on Voyager, it's just every week. These this, I mean, where I this say, is a very bad week for them. These two doofy are totally taken in by the barkeep made of light. Yeah. It just goes, oh, yeah, no, everything's great. And they're like, we fucking did it. Oh, Bro, Tom and Harry, I'm, I'm back in me bar now. <laughs> oh, I'm just notice, a, I didn't notice I didn't you walked into me bar. We're going to reset me whole town, Tom and Harry. <laughs> they, just, they just look at each other and fucking high five. What is this show? It's fucking embarrassing. Uh, this week, fucking Neelix is the one saying at the worst possible time, but we'd lose Fairhaven. What is happening on this ship? Janeway has well, lost fucking control. Apparently he runs a restaurant in Fairhaven. So then you get the totally unearned rushed alliance with the Fairhaven folk in the end in the finest Voyager tradition. Where in one minute flat after the tour with Michael Sullivan, he I guess he's able to talk down everyone in the town or whatever. It's a real yikes and I gave it a one. Is it a worse portrayal? This is really a question for quick hitters of the Irish than up the long ladder is the question. No, I mean they're they're both so insulting on the on their with face, the, insulting with the with the drunk dad who pulls the face. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, who uh, drinks the Klingon fire wine and makes makes faces the whole time and, and goes when he breathes out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He, is he worse or is Seamus worse? I get the feeling that guy was maybe a real Irish though. Who was willing to debase his people. Oh, it could have been. Yeah, that guy did seem more <laughs> Irish somehow. Uh, world building. <clears throat> so, uh, running the holodeck full-time is costing them engineering resources. And still, yes. maybe because Jamie wants a good ride so very badly, they keep yeah, on running it. She doesn't need it to be running 24-7. And no. everyone knows she's fucking him. Well, you can tell. Because when she says computer and program, it's not 15 people in there in various states of undress. It's yeah, just her alone in she's there. She's probably in her private instance. Yeah, she fucking, she gave the red alarm to have everybody cleared out of the holodeck before her dinner with Barkeep O'Gill. Um, 300 decawatt holodeck programs. Yeah. Uh, the doctor. That's, a, that's an extreme, I, by the way. It's an extremely weird measure. <laughs> like that's her choice. To, is it three hundred tenths of a watt? That doesn't make sense. Three hundred decawatts? Is that thirty watts? You could just say that. You could say thirty watts. Or is it three hundred ten watts? <laughs> three kilowatts. Say, you could say three kilowatts. What if we? Every, look, man, we it? all we all have our favorite units of measure, and those are the ones we use. I refer to everything in Lee 
and uh, of course, caddies. So yeah, <laughs> she but likes Desi Watts. Like, it's just like, is this is this roughly the power of a laptop, or is this roughly the power of an air conditioner? Either way, it's not a lot. No, yeah. Desi Watts. Uh, and I said, well, the doctor can be hypnotized by a swinging spoon. Why not? This is such yep. a wonderful episode already. Why not also that? Yep. I gave it a zero and I said I could see a one. Ooh, we're in really tough. We're in a really tough spot because I gave it a zero and said I could see a one. So I oh, guess although we could zero. both see a one, it's going to be a zero. <laughs> I think it's a zero in that case. Neither one of us did the inverse, so. No. Um, yeah, 300 decibel holodeck program. As usual, if they shut down the holodeck the wrong way, they lose the program forever. Like it's a classic Macintosh where you need to drag the floppy disk to the trash can before you eject it. Or else you'll lose Corel Draw forever. Somehow. That's right. And you need that. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I got I got pixel arts to make in black right. and white. I have dithering to do. Well, you're good. Get on it. I know you've got some, some bachelor time. You can use it like that. Yeah, I'm mainly using it for dither. Yeah. Characterization. Okay. I guarantee you that Tom Paris learns nothing about pulling pranks, despite almost getting burned alive. Oh yeah, no. He in fact he has he does not see the connection between the two events. Is my no. guess. In fact, probably nobody learns anything. No. All the character work happened off screen when Janeway apparently realized that she did have a relationship with a hologram and that her feelings were <clears> real. Yeah. That's not amazing, even if I like this version of Janeway a little better. Oh, and uh, Shmullah still hasn't picked a name, of course. Just in case you were wondering, here, deep in Season 6 for Voyager, mm. we checked back in on that. He still ain't picked a name. No, he didn't just finally break down and say Shmullah's. Um, It's a three for me. Okay. And there was a lot of Little League this week. Chakotay has one scene where he yep. leans over and tells Janeway to tell the truth and she doesn't do it. Tuvok is in the back just giving updates. Seven of Nine woke up from a nap and told him to <laughs> storm the holodeck with guns. Yep. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it was weird. Chakotay leaned over and he said, I have to admit, I'm I'm feeling jealous <laughs> about her holodeck boyfriend. He was jealous if of Q. I don't know if, if you remember. Leaned, if he leaned over and said, do you remember when I carved you a bathtub? And then we <laughs> left the planet right away. Put a lot of work into that bathtub. Sometimes I still think about that tub. I never even, you know. I never even got to see a boob. I never <laughs> even got to see a nip or nothing. One soapy nip was all I wanted. Listen, I, bathtub sex is terrible, but I, uh, you know, I, I thought it would be the premise under which. <laughs> yes. Uh... Alright, uh, TP is the greatest pilot alive or whatever, but he can't drive a car straight down the street. Nope. That's okay, it's also a challenge for everybody in the state of Tennessee. <laughs> and their cars have steering wheels instead of a weird rudder. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also spends real fucking time pranking his best friend on the holodeck. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody trying to get home, man. Yeah, we definitely didn't see the scene where Bellana Taurus was like, Listen, if you promise to spend the rest of the night with me instead of chasing Tom Paris around the holodeck, pranking him, I'll give you a handy. Yep. I'll throw <laughs> I think handy. she gave up, care. man. I think she gave up. She ain't even trying nothing no more. 
I can't get through to this fucking this piece of shit. Um, so ain't nobody trying to get home though. He isn't spending time. I don't know studying star charts, trying to no, find no, no, a no, more no. efficient route home. Uh, that's uh, nah. everyone thinks that's probably seven of nine's job. They don't know yeah. what she does in there. The, they yeah. think she. They don't know how much time she's in there just watching March of the Penguins and IMAX, but. <laughs> she's like no you're the newcomer and even though you've expressed that you don't really want to go there it's up to you to find us a way home yep um anyway then he and harry kim are outsmarted by a pixelman so solid f minus performance from these fuckers today uh janeway is still getting raw on the public holodeck program (laughs) she's dressed frumpier this time around so i guess she's really sinking into this role play yep uh, Harry Kim is in love with another holodeck character. For real, Neelix, fuck you, man. You got a lot of growing up to do, saying that shit about losing Fairhaven. Uh, I give it a one. <laughs> Hasn't he lost enough? His sister Florida and Cass. I know. I know, it's true. I mean, of course, his self-respect. His self-respect, of course. quick hitters sure i mean uh just for people scoring at home i gave this episode three out of 40 um it's true the queen of the fairy folk i better not see anybody lose their minds and think there's some holiday character i better uh, by the way, not we see were so that. far apart on deep space nine that we actually have scored the same number of points even <laughs> because you gave you i gave an eight and a nine and you gave a 14 and a three <laughs> so we uh, agreed uh that those two episodes as a whole yeah. Uh, scored the same amount. Um, anyway, I was really afraid someone was gonna think they think they were queen of the fairies or something. I'm glad that didn't happen because I didn't remember what this fucking episode was. Um, pff, worst actor candidate, Preacher Schmullis. What a limp fucking performance that was. Good God. Uh, Jamie must have given the. Oh, I already said this part about clearing everyone out so she can have her private dinner with what's his name. Because seriously, she said computer and program and i yelled to my screen no don't do that yes usually there's like 15 crew member in there at least uh i don't think i don't think they have even one person capable of writing a hollow program on this ship and they should stick to pre-made programs like bridge of the uss enterprise or stand in a nebula and talk about chocolate sundays they do though it's tuvok do you remember when he wrote the hollow novel about the maki taking over the ship that fucking took the world by storm well, he must not have written this one then. He didn't write this, this one. This one was busted. Uh, that's it for they me. They should do Bridge of the Enterprise. <laughs> or the fucking diaper falls on Romulus that Jarok will never see again. <laughs> um, Harry Kim is using his real replicator rations to make real flowers to take into the holodeck. Right. The dude is in love with a stripper and you hate to see it. Like you hate that for your friend. He can get flowers in there, man. You don't got to bring her real ones. She don't know the difference. I can never understand what, how it works. Sometimes I gotta, like he's got his clothes on already and everything. And then, yep. He's bringing flowers. Yeah, he wants to do this date up right. It's very confusing, because you know he could just go in there and be like, uh, give me uh, period-appropriate clothing or whatever, and then it would just fucking... 
zap him upright or something. It's very strange. The uh, guy who played Milo looked real familiar to me. Okay. Uh, he was the, uh, turns out he was the non-Scott Thompson guy in the uh, fifth season episode. <sighs> Scott Thompson was the exact right choice for this pervert. So this is the second guy he's played in Voyager. In Voyager. Okay. Yeah, he played. <laughs> if only one person had leaned over. who shows up again at the end to say, that would have been fine if you'd fucked around in here. Who cares? <laughs> would have been so great if someone had leaned over and been like, that Milo character. You, did you base him on that, uh, that fucking monk? From way back when, remember, not Scott Thompson, not the per, not the not Scott Thompson, but the other guy. Did you base it on it because it looks the fucking same? Yeah, man, the episode only got points because Scott Thompson was in it. That's what I remember. Um, here's where I asked: Is it a good sign that I paused this episode and watched 20 minutes of Texas Tornadoes videos? And I don't even really like Texas Tornadoes. And I also believe deep in my heart that I could play guitar, bass, or even drums on any Texas Tornadoes songs, and it would be a win against replacement situation. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. But. And I haven't hit a drum with a stick since 1998. <laughs> but, but, wait, what are you even in with it? Just nutsack? Just pure nutsack? I just nutsack? don't have a drum. Yeah, I rubbed my nuts on some drums <laughs> once. Yeah, for sure. Um, later, I, later, that guy and I made up, so. <laughs> uh. Yeah, but I mean, they know their average and all those things. What sets them apart is that fucking accordion or whatever. It's, uh, for sure. That's that's the shit it's right there. Flaquito. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the whole. That's like how Cake's whole business is is the fucking the horns, man. That's that's the good stuff. Okay, but one of the guys in the Texas Tornadoes, which by the way is a super group. I mean, lots of people claim things it's like a, that, and it's always it's like, well, that other guy, super group. They're like one of those guys was in another band. You're like, that's not how it works. You, everyone's in a second. Everyone's been in more than one band. That doesn't make the next band a super group. It has to be Except like famous people. There's a fucking Letterman episode from when they formed in 1990. Okay, where they're like, here's this new super group, and they were there the whole show, like playing with the band the whole time. So weird. It's like a 20 minute Letterman video of these guys. Anyway, okay. I mean, if Letterman says it, then I guess so. But I'm just saying people make that claim a lot, where they're like, it's a super group. And then you look into it, and it's like, I mean, these guys have been in other bands, but, like, I never heard any of those other bands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, yeah, anyway, but yeah. One of those guys is Freddie Fender, and he plays the guitar, but, like, he ain't doing anything good with it. No, he shouldn't be led. He shouldn't be called Freddie Fender. He should be called Freddie, uh, what's well, one of the Carvin or something? One of those shitty guitar catalogs he <laughs> used to get. <laughs> I did get a lot of Carvin. You know, they rebranded their Kiesel now. <laughs> okay, he should be Freddie Kiesel. Carvin, he should have to rebrand too. <laughs> Carvin still exists. They just only do pro audio. They just do loudspeakers and like mixing boards and shit now. But uh, okay. the, the guitar arm became Kiesel. I'm saying, how did he get to be Freddie Kiesel? Yeah, how did he get to be Freddie Fender? And Matthew, the woman whose daughter fell into the well yeah. was married to Colomini until 1994. Oh, Colomini's so, ex-wife. So not at this point, then. No. That's at crazy. At this point, she hadn't been married to him for six years, but she booked Star Trek. Good for her. She, was, she wasn't she was ruined by Colum. Also, I think that means she was probably... Or maybe asked, she was. I didn't actually look that up. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, it would make sense if she was, but except I know they didn't hire any fucking Irish people except for the one guy. Yeah, they could only afford the one Irish guy. I gave Best Actor to Sullivan and Worst Actor to Seamus or Milo for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of candidates again in this one. 
Uh, we just have one left to do, Chain of Command. Oh, thank um, God. Part one. They've um, well, they've only got to get 23 points to win the week. Which, by the way, is how much Quality of Life scored to win the week last week, too. So. <laughs> yeah. That seems to be uh, the bar these days. That's just, that's so, only as far as you have to go to win now. It's a real low bar to get 23 points. But can this not the good half of Chain of Command do it? Yeah. Let's find out. This week we watched Chain of Command Part 1, etc. Enterprise. Rendezvous. Rendezvous? Yeah, sure. With the starship Cairo. That's an Excelsior-class ship. For an urgent meeting with Admiral Necheyev who immediately dismisses Riker from the ready room and relieves Picard of command. <laughs> Credits, 40 seconds. That is quick. That was quick work by her. Yeah. Uh, then she calls a staff meeting and explains to everyone but Picard, who's Picard and Crusher and Worf, who are doing something else right now, yeah. that the Cardassians have been massing along the border. She thinks they're preparing for an incursion, maybe to seize one of the disputed systems, taking the gamble that the Federation isn't going to go to war over it. Mm -hmm. And Enterprise is going to the border, and they're going to open up talks with the Cardassians. She says Picard, Worf, and Crusher have been reassigned to a mission she's not going to talk about. She's giving command of the ship to Edward Jellicoe of the Cairo. Because he's got Cardi experience, right? Based on his participation in the armistice negotiations two years prior, which, based on everything we've seen so far, must have been a real success. Yeah, <laughs> including this current situation. Uh-huh, yeah. Well, he's our Cardi guy, and he's going to be in command of the Enterprise. Riker registers a weak complaint about it, but she's made up her mind, and she tells him, listen, that ain't you. Listen, you may be a foot and a half taller than me, just based on the way I'm looking up at you in this fucking scene, but um, ain't no one scared of you. You're dumb as shit. Listen, the Cardassians, um, they have a pr- actually a pretty sophisticated intelligence network, and they know you play the trombone. And <laughs> That's it. That undercuts all authority yep. you're going to have in any negotiation. The no one will ever be intimidated. <laughs> you try to be intimidating, and your Cardassian counterpart mimes a trombone and goes, bwah, bwah, bwah. it's over. <laughs> they know about you. That's right. You'll lose respect not only among the Cardassian aides, but among your own aides as well. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we cut to a cave where Worf and Crusher are in black commando gear. Yeah. The exact gear you imagined Worf wore on his raid in the outcast, but he, then he didn't. Turned out he didn't. No, I never imagined the full getup with the head thing and everything. It's, I've always said dark turtlenecks. He is, I think in that one, he wears dark red or yeah, whatever. Riker wears purple or whatever. Dark blue or something like that. Yeah. They're wearing their commando. That's what I was, when I say commando turtlenecks, that's what I mean. Not this okay. thing. This thing's nuts. This thing is they they're they're really playing a little bit too hard, I think. <laughs> yeah, this outfit that they put on for these raids, it's weird in every particular. It's a weird <laughs> texture. It's a weird cut. The, these sneak outfits are very strange. Yeah, they're very Anyway, bad. these guys get caught by a Cardassian guard, but it's just <clears throat> holodeck drills. Yeah. Picard pops out and he tells them they're doing it too slow and they're frustrated with him because he keeps turning up the difficulty, but also because he's just, he won't tell them what the fucking mission is. Yeah. And they feel like they don't know what, they don't know what they're training for. 
Uh, Jellico beams over, and he tells Riker to change to a four-shift rotation and to schedule a bunch of meetings. Then he pretends to show off by knowing that Cabin 735 is on, on deck, deck 7. seven. <laughs> yeah. Something known only to him and anyone who's ever stayed in a hotel. Any hotel anywhere. Yeah. Or, like, lived in a building with a lot of units mm-hmm. in it or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've got you in cabin 30, 735, which is, then he says, on Not deck 19th seven. floor, I got it. <laughs> I'll see you on deck 19. Like, he cuts him off so fast that it's possible Riker was going to say, uh, it's it's near the computer, it's near the computer core, near the auxiliary computer room. Mm-hmm. In case you were wondering where on deck 7 it was. Yeah, it's a big deck. You might want to. Yeah, it's near Turbo Shaft 8 is what I was actually going to say, because deck 7 is pretty big. I mean, the computer is a big ship. The computer will uh, make you a lighted path and you can follow if you want. But like it, we don't have the signs just on the wall that say like 716 through 738 this way. Like it's you just you should probably just try to figure out where it is. (sighs) Then we have a very (laughs) confusing cut because the doors to 10 forward open. And like a 70-year-old ensign in command red with Jellico's exact hair and build walks through the door. But it turns out that's just a background extra there to watch the transfer of command ceremony because <laughs> Jellico is standing at the podium in a dress uniform. You thought for a second this was a two Rikers and ten forward situation? It was, uh, the guy walked in and I'm like, ah, here comes Jellico. Star- no, wait a minute. That's not him. Also in the background, some unseen actor says, yeah, I know, wearing these uniforms always reminds me of my first day at the Academy, but the only one wearing a dress uniform is Jellico, and it does not match his voice or what his lips are doing. So I don't know. (laughs) Good to know. I don't know, man. The whole affair takes 20 seconds, and no one even gives a speech. The change of command ceremony. No, Jellico's very Jellico about it. He just dismisses Mm -hmm. everyone. Then he walks Picard over to a sort of quiet corner in the room. And asks him in hushed tones how the mission is going. And then he calls Riker over to ask him to have Delta Shift, the Delta Shift tactical officer, launch a Class 5 probe before they reach the border. But Riker has to sheepishly tell him that he doesn't have a Delta Shift yet. Mm. And Jellico says, "Ah, there's one now, asshole. (laughs) You better go make it right now. And then he tries to get Picard to talk shit about him behind (laughs) his back, but he won't. I can only assume that's another Jellico tactic. Like, if I can get him to talk shit about him, then I'll know that this guy's not legit at all. Uh Uh-huh. Um, Jellico's not done turning turning the ship upside down. He makes a bunch of system changes to, like, they're on the way to meet the Cardassian ship Reklar. And he wants the weapons, the deflectors, Mm, bridge consoles. So much techno babble on the bridge. I felt so bad for the old guy. through it, yeah. Yeah. By the way, this is Ronnie Cox as Jellico, a classic villain at the time. Yes. This is one of his less villainous roles, but don't worry, yeah. he's not beloved. No, no, no. He's, yeah, no one likes him, for sure, in this episode. Yeah. He tell, he says he wants Livingston, Picard's fish, sashimied Benihana style, and that doesn't even make sense. No one knows what that is. Yeah, they don't. it's not a sushi restaurant. What are you talking about? Uh, it must be some kind of alien style of cooking or something. Yeah. Then he tells Jordy to increase warp coil efficiency by 15%. I mean, Data says it's an attainable goal. So. He does. He's bringing Data around to be his little lapdog, just mm-hmm. like Data would have helped those fucking Ferengis in the movie. <laughs> exactly right. No, just no like he did. Loyalty. Just like he did. I think we can just say now that he did it. Um, Troy goes to tell, talk to him about how the crew's reacting to uh, all this bulldogging he's doing. 
Yeah. And he pulls out a fucking Uno reverse card <laughs> and slaps so it down on the table so and makes her the morale officer. And then for good measure, when she stands up to leave, he tells her to put on a goddamn uniform. Uh, she hasn't been manhandled like that oh, since so uh, the my, price. Uh, my headset reset. Hold on. My headset did a full reset for no reason. I just heard it do the reset sound and everything. Nice. The hell. All right. <clears throat> well, you're still with us. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. No, it's fucking brilliant what he does to her. He goes, oh, you seem to have given this a lot of thought. You're in charge of it now. Bam. And then you're right. Just <laughs> as, then just fucking hits her from the hip on the way out. He's just like, oh, also, by the way, your outfit's dumb. Like, wear a real yeah. outfit. Also, this is Starfleet. Wear a fucking uniform. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> uh, Jordy goes to Riker to complain. Riker goes to Picard, but Picard's fucking exhausted, and Riker just looks at him for 20 seconds and excuses himself and leaves. <laughs> Honestly, if I were Picard, I'd put together the mutiny crew. I'd be like, this guy's up to something fucking weird. He just came in and looked at me and left. Let's get a brain scan. Let's get a brain scan on this On guy? him immediately. And two, <laughs> he's up to some shit. You know what? I've thought about it. Jellico's right. This guy's not impressive. <laughs> Um, Riker steps in it again by not telling Jellico that he launched the probe he wanted launched. He launches the probe. He just didn't, yep, call he didn't tell him. At this point, I I felt really bad. I was like, this now Riker's having a bad day and it's getting into everything. Like he's so yes. in his head now. He's making every he wrong call. Every he wrong he call. Thought about it too. Yep. That's the thing. He launched the probe and then he's like, should I tell Jellico? No, he'll he's be like, just you don't need to say, fucking tell me. Well, you did your fucking job. But what do you you want a cookie? Yeah. And, but then and he didn't. Uh, anyway, uh. <laughs> Jellico takes another shot at trying to get Picard to commiserate with him about his bad first officer. <laughs> yep. And then when that doesn't work, he tells Picard, listen, it's going to be a war, and by the way, you're definitely going to die on this mission. And uh, <laughs> Enjoy I, dying. I, I don't got time to give Will Riker or anyone else time to, you know, get to know him. So, uh, so enjoy luck, death. I guess. Let me know how death is, because you're good, 100% yeah. going to die. Well, the strike team leaves on their shuttlecraft, and Picard finally briefs them. Starfleet thinks the Cardassians are developing a metagenic weapon designed to destroy a planet's whole ecosystem. Hmm. They're going to a planet called Seltris 3 to locate and destroy any such weapon because he has some experience with fucking Theta Band subspace emissions or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But for first, before they can't just go right there in their Federation shuttle, they got to hitch a ride into Cardassian space. Yeah. So it's off to Tormund 5 to bargain with Damon Solok. This, seriously, um, this is plan A. This is plan A. Fucking, this is off. This is, like, once you hear this is the plan, this is the plan that everyone's come up with. You just go, oh, we're gonna die. yeah, we are going to die. Jellico was right. They, um, they don't bring him anything. They no. have nothing to offer Damon Solok. No. So it doesn't go well. Plan A is going to fail. But luckily, Beverly Crusher's willing to take one for the team and fucking she seduces this guy by mispronouncing his name as Solok three times. <laughs> where everyone else has been saying Solok for four minutes <laughs> and doing a little light umox. She gives him a, couple, a quick HJ, but luckily this guy is into like older human women who wear clothes. Uh -huh. That's his kink. Do you know what he likes is a redhead in a floor length dress. Absolutely. The most clothing you can wear. <laughs> He, uh, it's weird. If you'd ask anybody, Damon Solok's type is women who are doing okay for their age. 
That's right. That's right. Maybe she still dances. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, it works. They make it to the caves. They use their brightest tricorder and their loudest speaking voices in there, and they start looking for the weapons. Well, the thing is, they didn't even need it to be that bright because those caves are so bright. Why are they so bright? They're extremely well-lit caves. What is the source of light? Where is it coming from? They're in caves. That's a very good question. There's one of a few signs that they maybe they should have thought about some things, but (laughs) they don't notice how bright the caves are. Uh, and it's, watching this with Marjan is so aggravating sometimes because she always defends the, she defends the writing by just making something up on the spot to explain what has happened instead of just agreeing it's bad writing. I said, "Oh, why this cave so well lit? This is crazy." And she went, "Bioluminescence." And I went, okay, <laughs> they could have said that though. They and didn't said, say it. He said, "Listen, sister, I've played Skyrim. Where are the glowing mushrooms on the walls if it's bioluminescence?" <laughs> I'm like, I understand. There should be huge fucking glowing nern roots and Thank shit. Thank you for offering a random explanation. That could possibly fit the facts. That is obviously not what is happening here. You're like, yeah, it's she didn't probably, even take a beat, though. She just went bioluminescence. It's probably bioluminescence <laughs> in this uh, in these styrofoam caves with the well raked dirt. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Gullamek arrives on the Reklar, and Jellico goes to his ready room to let Lamech cool his heels for a minute while he explains to Troy how Cardassians are like animals. Yes. The strike team repels down a cliff face. By the way, he, by the way, he explains how they're like animals in a way that, uh, because animals are so extremely predictable, and not in the way you would think if you were describing an animal, which is they could do fucking anything. Who knows? <laughs> That's right. He's like, as we all yeah. know, animals behave exactly one way all the time. Yeah, Troy's like, I don't know, so when there's two alpha wolves, one of them gets killed, and what she doesn't <laughs> say is, yeah, I guess, but like, I saw a video of a deer stepping on and eating a bird. <laughs> I don't think we understand animals as well as we think we do. <laughs> That's right. Did you know they ate birds? Do you know deer ate birds? Yeah. I mean, crazy. I, don't, I don't think they do, like, as a rule, but, like, that one did. That one did? Do you see what I'm saying? Hey, man, yeah. think about it. Um, Jellico, Riker, and Troy meet Lamech, and Jellico sits in his chair deliberately, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's think, so good. And then so stands good. up. <laughs> the guy stands up from his chair and Jellico greets him and sits right, right where the guy was sitting and, it's, and then you know Riker and Troy sit in the seats closest to that so he has to walk to the other side of the table it's so petty I love it so much oh, it's extremely petty <laughs> um, every he's time a, I watch this I like Jellico more by the yeah, way yeah he's a petty just, king I love it just a heads up every time I watch Chain of Command I like Jellico a little more yep absolutely um <sighs> He stands up aggressively at him. He walks out. And then out on the bridge, she gives Riker a bunch of instructions on how to backpedal all of that with Lamech so that he seems like the reason. He's like sets up good cop, bad cop with Riker, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, and Riker is clearly impressed. And he says, well, he sure is confident. And in a scene that means nothing, Troy yep. says, no, he's not. Yep. No, right. we don't. We Doesn't will never. I don't think we'll ever, even in part two, get deeper into his psychology. So <laughs> it doesn't come up really at matter. All. It's fine. I wouldn't be surprised if halfway through episode two, Troy just disappears. Like she <laughs> often does. It becomes Saturday and she's just gone. Jellico's just. You don't. In the remastered one, you can see that one of the things Jellico's reading in his office is just a doctor's note from, note from uh, Crusher that says Troy has her period and doesn't have to work today. <laughs> I mean, it says doesn't have to do gym class, but it's crossed out. That's right. The art, the art uh, department crushed it on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did a good job. <sighs> Worf sets his phaser to O'Brien killed a guy yeah. and opens up a tube for them to crawl through in these caves. 
they just keep cutting back and forth. Jellico restarts the meeting, but now it's at a Vladimir Putin length conference table. Yeah, the table changed. <laughs> yeah, it's so long. Uh, Lamex brings the news here that they're aware of a small incursion into Cardassian space, and everyone's like, all right, well, I guess we'll do a recess until tomorrow. <laughs> yep. So we can go deal with the A plot. Oh, the B cam- plot, I guess. Camera's yeah. going to shift over to them now, huh? Okay. All right. There's no point in us talking about it until that resolves itself, that incursion into <laughs> Cardassian space. Beverly Crusher gets buried in a cave-in. Worf digs her out. Yeah. Then they reach their destination. They jam up some proximity sensors. They open up a maintenance hatch. But instead of a weapon, or even an outpost, there's just another cave in there with one single machine in the middle humming. And after thinking about it for a solid 20 seconds, Picard says, I mean, it's long, a trap, but it's, it's too late. He thinks about it long enough for a commercial break, for sure. Because <laughs> it goes to commercial with him thinking about it, and it comes back with him saying it's a trap. When the commercial skips over all the stuff where Worf's saying, no outpost, no door. <laughs> yep. He's very outraged, I'm sure. Um, a bunch of Cardassians rush in. Everyone starts shooting. Worf holds the door open long enough for Crusher to sneak through past him, but then he gets shot and falls out on the other side of the door, which closes behind him. Luckily, they weren't on setting 16, huh? Yeah, the Cardassians definitely wanted to capture these guys. Yeah. I would say. Um, Picard gets captured. Worf and Beverly make it out. On the Enterprise, Riker detects a lot of traffic coming from Seltris 3 and residual Theta Band emissions. Angelico looks at that and goes and calls Nechev and reports that the task must be finished one way or another, but he hasn't heard from their friends. Mm-hmm. Then Picard is brought into an interrogation room where David Warner, a.k.a. Yes. John St. Talbot, a.k.a. Chancellor Gorkon, yes, 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 yes. says... Uh, he's a, all dressed up as a Cardassian, and he says Picard will prove an interesting challenge. He recites Picard's serial number and personal history, and reveals that the whole trap was set just to bring Picard in. Yeah, man. Uh, Picard starts to ask a question, but David Warner, who hasn't given his name yet, actually, he never gives his name. Oh, interesting. Uh, it's just in the credits that he's Gulmadred. Yeah, I think that's right tells Picard in this room he asks the questions and Picard answers and if he's not satisfied with the answers Picard dies to be continued yeah 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 Matthew yeah so this episode about command is about confidence maybe you know uh, TOS take command is about confidence Jellico has to act. You you need to have the rapist part of you. Yeah. Jellico, inside you. Jellico has to act self-assured and righteous and everything, even though, according to Troy, he's not actually that confident or sure what he's I doing. I cannot believe this is where you're taking your take, but go ahead. And uh, Picard's got to make his team feel better and sure about this obviously fucked mission. This mission that's f- f- just the worst and it's fucked from the start. Um... But look, man, we know this one, I don't think this had actual themes or moralities or anything. It was This was a plot episode. Like you said, this wasn't the good episode, Chain of Command. This was the busted setup for the good episode, Chain of Command. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I give that a four for its TOS take. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Here's what I have. 
What this episode posits is that sometimes you just have to do hard work. Hmm. Why is the ship getting turned upside down by the new guy? No one knows exactly, and they're all frustrated, but everything suggests that something serious is happening. Sure. What are old-ass Picard and Crusher doing training in these hollow caves till they're broken at the end of the day? Well, they can't be told, but they gotta do the work anyway. Yeah. I guess most people who have jobs have times that get busy or hard or whatever, and you need to be able to get through them, but um, it's not much of a take. <laughs> by the way, it's, you, thank you for making that connection, because there were several times during this episode I thought about my own job. Yeah. I, well, so it may actually be about that. Everything upside down. And yeah. people don't handle it real well. But then, you know, it, it turns out there's some reason. Yeah, as the viewer at home, I was actually thinking about those things. Yeah. So maybe that is maybe that is what was happening. But I don't think that's much. I gave it a three. Sure. Cause like, yeah, I know that. Everyone who works knows that. Yep. <laughs> this is uh, this episode was specifically made for the unemployed. Everyone's had a fucking Jellico come in to some degree or another. And yeah, it's it just makes like, you do dumb shit. We just gotta do it. It's just like in the very first episode of Thirty Rock, where Jack Donaghy says sometimes you have to change something that's working just to make it your own. Yeah. Or, you know, the way every every sports coach has to come in and change everything up. Yep. Can't bring in their own guys and all that stuff. Which is what Nechev is doing. Yep. Yeah. In uh, terms execution. of execution. Yeah. I think this episode does a good job of showing everyone's palpable discomfort but I think it does a very bad job of showing the basis of the crew's resistance to Jellicoe's changes. Mm-hmm. They make Riker particularly sleepy and clumsy so that Jellicoe can have two different conversations about not being able to give him or anyone time to adjust. Yeah. They make no attempt to introduce Riker to the seriousness of the situation for no real good reason I can see. Like, there's a little conversation where Necheyev takes him aside and tells him he's not the right man for the job. But she doesn't tell him this is deadly serious and she needs him to I back mean, Jellicoe as if he were Picard. I, she should say that stuff. That's true. But I, shouldn't he know it's deadly serious? I mean, she says she's there because of this maybe incursion. That sounds serious. This is the thing. This is the thing that I said right up top is that there is this episode is full of evidence that this is not normal and that this is a very serious situation. Yeah. Right. And everyone's just like, huh? I don't know, man. It's weird, right? Yeah. Isn't it weird? That's what they say. This guy but, came. Who's this guy? What is this? It's like, yeah, huh? just like, uh, just like in the fucking, uh, which of the new Star Wars movies is the one where Poe stages oh. a little rebellion because I mean, he the eighth get one. Admiral Holdo, the eighth one, episode eight. I don't remember what they're all called. But she just, she just didn't tell him the plan that absolutely didn't need to be kept secret. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a TV and movie trope for sure. Uh huh. I kept it secret because then it's cooler. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and in this one, Nechev doesn't even doesn't even tell Riker. Listen, just have his back. This is a serious situation. We're all gonna get through it. Nothing. Mm-hmm. She's just like, frankly. I don't think you're ready to command this ship in this situation, and I don't want to hear about it. So, yep. mm. It's true. Really, the problem is that this episode has a lot of how military is Starfleet DNA, and it's yeah. just never a topic of conversation. <laughs> no, well, no, it wasn't my house. Oh, sure. sure. 
But like in the show, there's nothing about Necheyev and Jellico. Yeah. Feel like they are from a very different tradition than Picard from about mid season one on. Yep. With his probably from about voice. that time that his real life uh, Patrick Stewart got that talking to uh-huh. from, uh, from Brent Spiner. Yeah, with his old boys network and uh, and his, you know, commanding by consensus, right? Picard's yeah. consensus building, getting options from his crew, etc., right? Letting everyone talk it out all the time. Telling Very them they're different. all free to fuck whatever alien comes by. Uh-huh. Please yeah. do. Knock yeah. yourself out. Uh... <laughs> uh, O'Connor's like, hey, you're mad I'm fucking your crew. He's like, on the contrary. I hope you fuck all 1,000 crew member, even the children. The white children. <laughs> the white children, of course. I'm sure you will prefer the white children. Uh, so, yeah, so it's just like, no one talks about how different they are. No one talks about their different styles or, uh, yeah, some starship commanders are like this, right? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, there's kind of, you know, we've been on the explorer side our nominal mission is all about exploration, but that guy, he's been fighting the Cardassian War in his hundred-year-old starship. Yeah, apparently. He's more, way more of a Ben Maxwell. Yeah. Anyway, they don't talk about it at all. It just goes unremarked on completely. Obviously, the seduction of Soloxene is dumb. Ugh. And it doesn't get any better when you learn that that's there because DS9 got delayed to January that year. The... Mm. the uh, the pilot episode Emissary got delayed to January, and okay. before that happened, they were supposed to go to Deep Space Nine and get passage to Seltras Three from Quark, and that's uh, why this Ferengi angle is in there at all. They so they did change it, but they still kept it as a Ferengi because what they were too tired to think of something better. I assume Jesus. so. Yeah, okay. I assume they'd already fucking worked out. Beverly Crusher rubs his ears, and they're like, "Ah, oh, right. uh, we ain't redoing seduction. That's hard to." Yeah, write. You know what? Actually, Gates was excited to be a little sexy because she was like, "My role on this ship is to shout at everyone about how they're bad people." <laughs> and <laughs> frankly, I, I'm not Beverly Crusher, and I I wouldn't mind playing a little seduction scene here. Sure. Um. But yeah. So that doesn't help. Uh, there's way too much tunnel, and way too little of that tunnel sets up the idea that they might be headed for a trap. No, so, I mean, they don't rather, run into anything at all in there until that room, so... No. Rather than the usual Star Trek scenario of, this might be a trap, but the consequences, if it's real, are so severe that it's worth the risk, they just blunder into it. Yeah, they do. They're real, real fucking Tom and his Harry this week. Yeah. So, I guess what I'm saying is... There's a lot of room for improvement in this episode. I gave it a three. Yep. Yeah, so I have here, I had to remind Marjan this isn't the good one. This is the one with the busted setup for the good one. The one where the old man, his girlfriend, and their big buddy play SEAL Team 6 for some fucking reason. And the crew almost mutinies because the guy is like, send me the crew evaluations and set up a couple of meetings. Yeah. Fucking A, these people suck. No wonder any group of two or more aliens can take over the ship in five minutes flat. Yeah, I mean... Nechev doesn't say, "I need Picard for this mission," but you were second. You were actually in command when the Ferengi took over the ship. <laughs> That's right. Hold on, three weeks ago. It's, I mean, it would be so easy to point out his shitty record. You understand? Your record's not good right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was no, a minute. It's not going to be you. Yeah, there was if a this minute. Happened the week after the Borg. Then yes, maybe yeah. you. 
yeah, you could have called your shot at that point. You could have commanded any ship, including Enterprise. We would have put Picard out to pasture at that point after what I happened mean, there. He was the Locutus. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you've been fucking up since then, buddy. Yeah. I uh, mean, oh man, again, hey, the show's not nearly self aware enough. For you that. busted in to that court hearing on the androgynous planet? <laughs> we know you did, you did a commando, commando raid. raid. Yeah, it's not good. Shouldn't have done that. You don't want to do that. All right. So, yeah. Um, uh, why is there so much light in those tunnels? Um, so, and then I said, fuck, the Theta Band emissions are, like, the only thing it took to get Picard and Cardi hands. Just that and no one else in Starfleet can do that? Yeah. That's some convenient as hell writing. He's not a scientist. I mean, assuming the Cardi is telling the truth about that part. Like, I don't know how we would make that up on the spot. That's like... Just Captain Pook... Okay. I don't know how they fucking figured that Starfleet wouldn't send in SEAL Team 6 and who mm-hmm. one scientist who was an actual expert on theta right? subspace emissions. I don't understand it. It's so and, confusing. Well, because, oh, it's too, it's too secret and strategic. They'll need to have someone high-placed run the mission. What? Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I People... Don't. People do secret shit all the time. What are you talking about? That's what I'm saying. This is the, the setup for this is they clearly said we need to get him captured because the whole thing is going to be this great interrogation. This this one on one. These Shakespearean actors going at it. Uh-huh. How do just we get like, Picard? How do we get Picard there? And they just couldn't like come Box up with Lightner and the guy with the glasses. <laughs> but they couldn't come up with anything. They couldn't come up with anything to get him there. This is I mean, it's such a pathetic setup. It's so bad. It's it's thin. It's very thin. Um, I said, I don't know, man. I feel the stakes. I feel that it's a very special episode, but I wouldn't say it was well-crafted or fun to watch, and I also gave it a three. What about world-building? Uh, possible Cardassian incursion into Federation space. I said here, I never remember it's the Cairo. I always think, I always say Crazy Horse or crazy something. Crazy Horse, but of course yeah. Crazy Horse is... Uh... Then it's oh no! Ship. I don't. I don't know. So it's somebody's, but I always think it's his. Anyway, um, Riker says they don't normally bother with the ceremony if transfer of command is temporary. So again, they must really be expecting Picard to beef it out there. Uh, even the Romulans don't use metagenic weapons, but the Cardis are on that shit now. Yeah, Crazy Horse is her. Mm. Or she has. It was one of previously been ferried. Yeah. Apparently, her flagship was the USS Gorgon. In that. No. Not Gorgon. No. Show yourself, but Gorgon. <laughs> no, no. But they should. Starfleet should. Starfleet should name a vessel after. But we haven't uh, gotten to descent Gorgon. yet, so it's you know it's fine. Uh, also, weapons... it's the ship that brings Eric Pressman to the Enterprise in the Pegasus. Ah, so it's just ferrying people around. An episode that I am really looking forward to because we can talk so much about Enterprise during it. <laughs> well, that's the real joy of this project. Is the more we get to talk about so. Enterprise, I found uh, that to be the case. Uh, weapons development station on Seltzer's Three, but that was just a lure. Uh, the worst fucking commando team ever assembled. This alien bar, which is hella sanitized, uh, this is not the Mos Eisley Cantina. No, it's uh, honestly it's not as good as the Cantina with the four-armed pianist. No, <laughs> no one's in Klingon opera at all. No. Uh, also Frankie stuff in that one too. Um, 
Worf says a phaser set at 16 should suffice. Should suffice, up. which is lucky because it's the highest <laughs> setting on that fucking thing. Fucking asshole. Stop reading it word for word <laughs> out of my notes. No, but that's why I said it. He said it to O'Brien did a murder. <laughs> he said it to O'Brien's going to threaten to kill himself. Can't, can't live I with better, himself after what he did. I better set it to 16 just in case. I mean, I get it. You don't want to fuck up and become a vegetable or something, but like 16. No, but that's so, it's going to be so much collateral damage if he yeah. fires that fucking thing. That's like setting off a bomb. Does he or know what's above that cargo bay? Even <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yikes! Uh, um, I because it's a, a full of Cardassian drama and stuff. I gave it the standard three, but I don't know. What do you think? Well, that's gonna make it a three for me. I had it on the border between a two and a three. Okay. In addition to what you said, we see a change of command ceremony. I I talked about that. You were looking up the crazy horse. Oh, I was looking up the crazy horse. Did you talk about metagenic weapons while I was? I did. I did indeed. Did you mention that here is where they first referenced that the Cardassians have withdrawn from Bajor? Um. Oh, this is the first reference. Do we even know yep. what Bajor? What? Well, we had Rogue, yes. so we must. Yes, we know what okay. Bajor is because we've seen the Bajora. Okay. Um. Cool. Okay. Um. Enterprise normally runs on a three shift rotation. All right. Okay. Which Riker seems to think is standard. He he did call it the standard three shift rotation. Almost as if he knew he was going to be asked to change it. <laughs> when you know he what? Said it. doesn't really say why he wants a four shift rotation. I guess he no. thinks his guys are better if they have two more hours off or yeah they don't he knows that guys hours seven and eight on the shift is when most of the holodeck malfunctions occur or, <laughs> or you know the the ferengi show up and it's not a sensor glitch or whatever it's really yeah, he just wants people a little fresher too much shit's been happening in the last two hours of everyone's yes. shift during and their of course lows. if he were a better he would have explained it a little yes he would have explained it instead of just being like i want it my way will Given Riker a realistic timeline to implement it, not tonight. I want that done by yesterday, Will. Do you go by William or Will? I'm only going to say it in a mean way, so you better think about it. Uh, what if Riker said, actually, I kind of like Billy Boy. Can you do Billy Boy? <laughs> that actually would have been a good strategy. I'm trying to reclaim it. That would have been a good strategy, actually, because then when he hears it with all the spite this guy says, he's already used to that. Like, that's only yeah. what, that's what people call him when they don't like him. Yeah, this guy's going to ruin Tam Will. Called him, so. Yeah, this, he's going to ruin Will for him now. It's going to be like, oh, every time someone calls me Will now, I just think of Jellico. So, yeah, three for me. Okay. Uh, well, a character work, then. So, Jellico doesn't get characterization points. Nah, he just showed up. But... He really sets off Picard's consensus leadership style. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the single most effective aspect of this half of the two-parter. Sure. Because it really, you're uncomfortable with, just along with everybody, when mm-hmm. this is all happening. And it shows you how much you've internalized Picard's leadership and delegation style. Okay. So that's pretty effective. Riker, as I've said, has a bad week. Yeah. <laughs> He absolutely doesn't manage to get in between Jellico and the crew in any way. No, when Jordy's like, can you help? He's like, nah, I don't think so. He's not going to hear it from me. It's like, hey man, okay. that's your job, your XO. Glad we had this talk. Why don't you go do your job, XO? <laughs> uh, and I think it hurts him the way Jellico starts bringing data around to be his yes man uh, and enforcer. The, yeah. the scene particularly on the bridge when he... After he's done telling everybody, fuck it, I don't want no science one and science two up here. And reroute everything. 
and then he get, well, get it done, Will. And then he says, Data, you're with me. And then Riker mm-hmm. just turns around and he looks hurt. <laughs> um, Picard, Crusher, and Worf have absolutely no character work to do in the tunnels. Sure. Nah. Worf doesn't like bats and Crusher nah. doesn't like heights. And Harry Kim, he's afraid of haunted houses. We get it. But there's nothing real. Yeah. The closest thing to characterization work for the main crew here really is Picard sheepishly looking away when Riker isn't getting along with his new captain. Yeah. He can't look either. Even Picard can't look at it. He fucking will not make eye contact with either of them during that scene about there's no, hey, there's no Delta shift yet. Gamma shift's going to be on duty when we get there. There's some character work in this episode, but it's definitely not an out-of-the-park success. I gave it three again. Uh, yeah, let's see. Riker just makes super annoyed faces at Nchev during this first staff meeting. Then he mugs at Jellico during his first meeting with him. So I said, what a whiny little turd. Does this guy not remember what it's like to have actual bosses and not just space papas? Nope. DeSoto loved him on the fucking hood, and uh, once he docked the thing correctly, <laughs> that was, was it. it all in. It was the one challenge. <laughs> uh, Riker finished eighth in his class at the academy. That's what Jellico says. Um, Picard is uh, good as a team leader, I guess, trying to buck up the troops. But then I said, wait, he's on this mission because he knows a ton about Theta Wave transmissions? They ain't got anybody younger for this shit. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Why does he scream at the top of his lungs when that cave-in happens on Beverly? Hey, man, you said the supposed Cardi base is just a few more meters that way. Maybe Uh whisper or something. Uh Uh-huh. Shouts, Beverly! Um... Jellico... Fun behind-the-scenes anecdote. Apparently, when he reached in there to, you know, move those rocks or whatever, he got two handfuls of uh, Gates McFadden's boobs and then uh, Mm. screamed like a little girl about it. Uh, well, you know, that's exactly the kind of anecdote that would make it out of a Star Trek behind-the-scenes situation. Yep. Um, Like you said, Jellico's itching to make Data his first officer from minute one because Data just goes, yeah, okay, every time Jellico asks him to do something. Uh-huh. <laughs> Data says, yeah, we can do that. Or, uh-huh. you know, if they can't do it, he's probably got a fucking reason. Yep. Yeah. And it, um, here's what I say. Even Jordy hates this guy coming in here making him do shit, but at least Jordy has reasons. At least yeah, Jordy says to him... a third of his crew and transferred him to security when he's already got him working around the clock for five days. Yep, and he's like, and what about all the people like doing science experiments and shit? Like, they need those things. Like, at least he has reasons. He's not just uh-huh. Riker, Riker who's mad because he was planning to play poker or the trombone or watch the harp ladies all afternoon, and now this dude is giving him orders. Or just because he's fucking shut out and no one's going to tell him what's going on and he's not the guy anymore. Fucking maybe. Did they not hear the part about an incursion into Federation space, though? They think this is a fucking cruise ship? I get crazier requests from my boss every day, and my job doesn't matter even a little bit. The things he's saying are like, send me the crew evaluations and set up these meetings and like change the fucking duty roster or whatever, and it's like, they act like... I don't know what they think is happening. I think they just miss their dad and they're afraid to say it. Yep. And they just want to say to him, you're not my dad. They're just going through changes scary. (laughs) But again, it's like they don't, it's like they didn't hear the part that they said that sounded so serious about the big war that might happen. But she didn't say war, Riker. She said incursion. Yep. 
He he makes the biggest fuck you face when she says that to him. Um, Do they think they're ready for a war? I didn't say war. He said incursion, and he just goes... <laughs> swings Listen, the whole head uh, around. And there's one guy in the Enterprise that we know for sure is not politically savvy. It's Riker. <laughs> That's right. Uh, like you said... Riker or- screaming at fake Tom Locke about the, getting the secret information <laughs> about Starbase 22 or whatever, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> That's not because he's not really, he doesn't remember what happened. In yeah, that's not because he's disoriented. That's exactly what Riker would say. Um, Worf is afraid of bats. Know anywhere cool we can take him? How about hella caves where bats always live? <laughs> I uh, guess the people who put together his fucking psych test. <laughs> they didn't know what the well, real fear was. Well, to be honest, they did identify an actual deep-seated problem within him. <laughs> And they were like, well, we could do bats. People don't like bats. And it seems like he doesn't. You know, one time, one time he visited some cousins on Kronos. <laughs> That's weird in and of itself because then they like should have known that this prince was the alive. Prince Worf was just out and there. Apparently, able to just vacation on Kronos. That's anyway, thing. he didn't take charge of his house, even though he was fucking way past the age of ascension. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But. He did go hide it. He ran away and he went and hid in some caves and he doesn't like bats. That's so, right. <laughs> we could do that. That's a one option for the psych test for war. <laughs> or number two, we could make a put him in a situation where he needs to ask someone for help. That's very hard for him. Yeah. Let's go with that. We don't often he still struggles the, with it to this day. We don't often have to do, get to do the deep psychological stuff. It's mostly explosions and things. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, hold let's... on. What? Oh, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. He doesn't still struggle with that to this day. <laughs> oh. He's become much worse. Oh, you see, he's terrible now. Uh, I think uh, he's been ruined by the Enterprise. Oh, I'm sorry. My Pad Mini that I just got, the new Pad Mini, says he's a terrorist now. <laughs> he got in a fight with his girlfriend, though, so it's pretty understandable. Um, Beverly convinces Worf to go on without Picard, but are we supposed to believe that those two are going to climb 500 meters up with all those Cardies hanging out down below? I'm glad we're only three hours and eight minutes into this because I want to talk about that 500 meter cliff for 15 minutes probably. They're still down there for sure. They never get out of there. That's it. That's the end of them. They are captured uh, 10 minutes after Picard is captured. The Cardassians kindly beamed some fucking platforms in there so they could climb from one to the other to get out of there because they thought about it for a minute. They don't really want either of those guys. (laughs) It's just, I don't understand how they got out. It doesn't make sense. Politically, it's better if those guys escape. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Anyway, I don't know why I put some of those in characterization. Probably because there wasn't that much character work going on there. Um, Yeah, I I had it as a four. What about quick hitters? Uh, where Jellico really could go easier, as we talked about, is all the times he tells Picard, you're definitely going to die out there. Anyway, <laughs> enjoy death. It's really weird that he keeps telling him. He uh, wants to keep the Enterprise. He wasn't joking it. when he said to Riker that a Galaxy-class ship is a big upgrade and it's not something you turn down. Yeah, but it doesn't and mean you have to keep telling the guy about to go on the secret a little bit of doubt mission. in Picard's mind. <laughs> Maybe get him killed out there. It's crazy. Just keeps telling him. Uh, and then I had yikes. Get, get Picard killed. Manhandle these Cardassians in this upcoming negotiation. And then. I'm basically king of Starfleet. I'm probably going to get to keep the Enterprise after that. Yeah. Uh, yikes. This seduction scene with Crusher is one of the worst things I've ever watched. It was so bad, buddy. 
Yes, she mispronounced that guy's name over and over again, and I cringed each time. So, all. so what? <laughs> she's the like, camera she, hasn't moved. You like, heard she, everyone say so lock. She must She must not have been paying attention. She's doing a real Shatner out there, just look, listening to her own lines in her head over and over again instead of paying attention to everyone saying Landrew out there. Um, And then, yeah, he she just like just suddenly just like kneels down next to him and it's, it's so weird but not only also, would you... she turns away yep. and puts her chin on her fist she's doing uh this seduction scene is out of a play <laughs> no no i just figured that out what she wrote <laughs> yes in your yes that would actually make sense but i just actually i just thought she was doing the exact same thing remember the one time voyager showed aliens that were alien-esque and neelix had to learn their greetings and there was like a bunch of modern dance yes <laughs> She, I thought she was maybe being one of those oh, guys. She was doing a bunch of lines uh, from a Sia music video from 2010. <laughs> That's right. Doing a bunch of uh, moves from moves, that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't jerky enough to be Kate Bush stuff from the 1980s. Everything comes around again, though. So That's true. Yeah. Um. And then, uh, yeah, and it's so sudden, and it's out of nowhere, and I don't know why the guy is, like, rock hard about it. I ought to be like, what the fuck is happening right now? This lady is so fucking weird. The uh, only thing I can assume is that it's, this is still season one Ferengi stuff, where they find the idea of clothed women perverted. You know, I, I get his, I get this that's a kink. fucking into it. But she, acts, she could look like anything under there. But she acts so fucking weird. Is the, uh-huh. She just acts so weird that you'd be like, even if you were into the clothing, you're like, man, it's really doing it for me that she wears clothes like a whore or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, You'd be like, but she, I think there's something really wrong with her, though. And I don't think, I don't think, I, my, don't penis, think, I think my penis is not going to work for this, for this kind of thing. He, uh, he, what you're saying is he should have had the reaction that the holodeck <laughs> cop had when Beverly Crusher swallowed it. Swallowed a cup. That was it. He was in until then. Every dumbass thing she was saying and doing was doing it for him until she swallowed her gum. And he went, that's fucking disgusting. Absolutely fucking horrible. He just, it was, he just said out loud, pass. <laughs> you're in the background walking away. I'll never get hard again. That was it. Oh, she swallowed it. Oh. <laughs> This is how we talk in San Francisco. Bonnie, she swallowed the gum. Oh, man. <laughs> They're both just... Oh, no, she swallowed it. Both, oh. just, both just gagging in the background. <clears throat> That's it for me. <laughs> what about you? Um. Yeah, Um. you know, we already knew the Cardassian armistice sucked. We've seen the wounded and, like, three Deep Space Nines. That turned out not to be true, by the way. That was before I realized that Emissary hadn't aired yet. Right. So how helpful was Jellico during those negotiations? I think it's all politics. Yeah. Well, he's definitely Nechev's good little boy, so. Uh, In-universe, like, sitting there in that shuttlecraft for real, not in a holodeck or anything, Picard and Beverly took a long beat to wait for Worf to say he had no idea what metagenic weapons were. <laughs> Picard says, we think they're developing a metagenic weapon. And then Beverly says, metagenic. And then they both say nothing yeah. until three or four seconds later, Worf pops up and says, I am not familiar with metagenics. <laughs> Picard is a very practiced speaker at this point, doing all those uh, seminars about archaeology and everything, and he knows his audience, and he knows if he yep. waits long enough, Worf will admit the thing they already know to be true. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> they give him a long time there. 
Um, again, I've seen this episode 15 or 16 times probably in my life. Mm-hmm. I guess I've always missed the part where Cardassians are going to be deploying this metagenic weapon by radio. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. That's how it works. See, this is why it's safe, is that they're going to send the fucking thing on these theta band subspace waves and then send the activation by a different signal. So they're never in the room with the fucking thing when the activation... Anyway, I'm like, what? <laughs> I also went, I must have heard that wrong. <laughs> what? It's like, I don't think that's how it could work. But then it lie. turns out that each of these three, each of them, not mm. one of them, each of the three commandos uh-huh. is carrying... 500 meters of yeah. half inch thick rope yep in those little backpacks <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. in those little sanrio backpacks <laughs> oh, you painted did. black oh you didn't know that they're self-replicating rope Ooh, and also because <laughs> they i don't know why one person could carry a lot of rope or they could sure. have little ropes that they tie no all three of them are going to rappel down this <laughs> 500 meter sheer cliff face they really prepared well for this. <coughs> Despite being clearly not knowing that this was going to come up, they prepared but, super well. No, I'm, I just missed the part of the briefing where they said that Seltris 3 has the biggest caves in the known galaxy. <laughs> known for its caves, actually. Yeah. Yeah. The Carnassians yeah, must have a base somewhere, right? Those guys that came running in everywhere, they weren't just camping out in sleeping bags in the tunnels, yeah? Oh, man, I thought they must have been waiting there. Yeah, but but they didn't know when this was going to happen. No, no, I assume it's like a rotating shift you know, like yeah. thing. You drop off some dudes, you pick, pick up some other dudes. So you think they're just bivouacked out in the yeah. caves? And you guys they, are on they cave don't have duty. a little temporary base somewhere where they could well, have just put the transmitter and caught all three of these guys. I, well, I don't know. I mean, are we supposed to believe that Picard was led just into another room? And then there, there, there must be a base because they got... Uh, David Warner there, and he's got a desk and everything. So. Yeah, if that's on Seltris 3. That's what I'm saying. So if if he was led into another room, then yeah, they got a base there, because they got a room with a desk and all that shit. So, but if they he didn't was put the transmitter else, in the though. base. They put it way out in the tunnels, where the Cardassians <laughs> would have to take 90 seconds to run to the backside to make sure no one got away. <laughs> they really did take their time getting there and everything. Yep. Yeah, I don't know, man. They put it far enough away that Picard could stand there fucking staring at it, going, I know. something's not right. You take, but it turns out I don't remember as much about Theta Band subspace waves as I <laughs> thought I did, but this, it doesn't look right. And I know, I know you really want me to be able to say what's wrong about this, but I think it's a trap. I think it's a trap, it, and I'm just going to go with trap. Let's go. Long enough for him to sit there and think that, but then they have the 30 second firefight, and then yeah. Beverly and Worf get out there. And then Beverly's like, no, no, there's more Cardassians coming from another tunnel. We got to leave now. Why'd they put the fucking trap so far away? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a good question, I guess. <laughs> that is a good question. Uh, at some point during the filming of Deep Space Nine, they got rid of these skinny Cardassians that they loved in the early mm, days. Yeah, this guy is definitely, he's all ridge. He's got no meat on him. He is long and lean. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's sort of a Kwong type. I don't know how tall he is, but he's fairly yeah. tall. But, um, 
I guess maybe the uh, military government really is doing a better job of feeding the people. That's the main thing. <laughs> it's gonna. That's the main accomplishment that the unnamed Gul Madrid is gonna crow about next week. But I guess it is. Must be yeah. true because Cardassians. Later we get more Demars and fewer Ducats. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's true. You're not wrong. Um, it wouldn't that be a great one though? They put Kwong Su in that Cardi makeup, and you get a whole <laughs> new kind of Cardassian. He's still sneaky, but he's also a fucking buffoon and just an absolute clown, but still sneaky as shit. <sighs> Matt, have you 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 never got into Taskmaster? No, I know we showed like one episode of Taskmaster when we were there. Yes. We watch it all the time, nonstop. And okay. I have to, t- so many times, I have to stop, pause the episode, and tell Katie that the Taskmaster cast would immediately understand how to play this game, and they would do so such a better job. Like, there was a there's a live task in one of the episodes where everyone has a box, and in the uh-huh. box is a peg with five donuts on it. Okay. And the winner is the person that has the smallest, unique number of donuts on their box when they reveal it, right? So then they have a certain number of seconds to, you know, pretend they're how many donuts they're putting on there or whatever. It only takes a few seconds to <laughs> manipulate the donuts, but they give them a long time because, it, like anybody, you'd think they're going to lie to each other, etc. Mm-hmm. No, everyone fucking does it in silence. And I'm just watching no, that. that's not I'm how like, you play. Kwang Su would immediately announce that he is going to put one donut on That's there. Right. And that if anyone wants to eliminate themselves by putting one donut on also, they're welcome to. And then it would turn out he had three donuts turn on. He had three yeah. donuts on, but also so did five other people. Yeah, exactly. They all would have done the same thing. But I'm just like, the, the Running Man cast would immediately know how to play oh, yeah. this game. And it's very frustrating to watch these nice British comedians not know how to play dirty. Whenever I watch any reality show with Marjan, I go, they're lucky Kwang Su ain't on this show, man. <laughs> They're lucky he's not on this show. But it's not just, it's Kwong Su, it's Jaysook, all Jay-Suk, of them. Jaysook, obviously, yep. I mean, uh, they're all tricksters for uh, sure. I mean, of course, when Somin shows up, she's a little fucking goblin. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, when Gio was still allowed but to be on the Suk show. Even knows she how to play like, that game. When Gio was still allowed to be on camera and stuff before Gary left, she was, yep. eight. She was the ace. She would have figured that shit out for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. So anyway, it's um, I love Taskmaster. That every time they do a test that relies on deception in any way, I'm like, I wish this was the Running Man cast. I know. I we were we're watching a Korean contest reality show right now called the uh, the Devil's Plan or something. It's got you know a shitty framing device about an evil monster that gives these people games they have to do. It's like a Squid Game or something, right? right, right. <clears throat> but like, but an actual contest reality show and not scripted. Um, and the whole time I'm just going, man, that's not how you play this. Don't play it like, <laughs> no, no, Jason wouldn't have done that. That's not what you do. <laughs> give me epi- give me the cast in the like 400 to 500 range, somewhere in there. Yes. Like, the late cast doesn't even have to be the early best version of it. Give yep. me the late cast and they've got a fucking store where they can spend their fake money and they've all got I'm to figure saying, out. Like, yeah. <laughs> think how much time these fuckers have spent on set for Running Man. Uh-huh. Their brains, first, the first thing that occurs to them is how would they react on Running Man. Even if they're in their other life, if they're like at the coffee shop or whatever, their brains automatically are thinking... Someone's oh, yeah, probably going to sure. try to screw me in here in some you way, think, and I have to screw John them Cook first. think John Cook goes into turbo mode in <laughs> no, real life out there? No, no, there's no chance. Turbo's the smallest part of his life at this point. <laughs> That's right. It's all running, man. He's all fucking the time. sick of having to sing Nero. 
over and over. The black Cat and Arrow. <laughs> yeah. You're sick of it. It's creepy it, anyway. It's a creepy song about how a little girl is really a seductress. Yeah, yeah, but it's got jingle bells in it. Does have jingle bells in it? <laughs> it's just straight no. becomes jingle bells. No, you're a hundred percent right, dude. When that when he is at a coffee shop, uh-huh. any any little weird thing catches the corner of his eye, he's in running man mode. <laughs> he's like, he's I like, better screw hey, these people as first. Long as I'm going after fucking it. Blasted into the swimming pool <laughs> on a pneumatic chair that's gonna ruin my back. So it's so great when Soman has to do the first one of those challenges and she immediately announces she's leaving Running Man. Mom, sell the house. Sell the house. <laughs> I'm, I'm quitting Running Man. Because <laughs> she does get absolutely fucking yeeted. All right. Anyway. <clears throat> oh, yeah. So anyway, I give Best Actor to, honestly, I didn't think there were any particularly bad performances this week, except Worst Actor, Solok. Yeah, Solok wasn't very good, was he? Yeah. I mean, all right, well, we, yeah, yeah. We yeah, did so the best actor. They all did good. Fine. Who cares? We did the thing. We could have done it uh, five or six minutes faster without that last running man. Uh, uh, yeah, but I kind of <laughs> just want to talk about running man for another hour. So I want to watch it so fucking bad. It's just I ain't got 90 minutes. I don't even know if my fucking Asian TV app still works. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, 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 you'd have to go to myrunningman.com or whatever and stream. Uh, it your, but it's so bad. On your desktop. It's or so bad to stream on the web. Yeah. Here's what happened this week in okay. our project. Yes, illuminate this. Spearfuck got 12 points. Oh, well, I mean, it's not great. That ain't good. It ain't good. If we uh, if we sort by rank here, I mean, 12 points is miserable. I mean, that's what Virtuoso got. We know that one wasn't yeah. good. <laughs> Virtuoso, Equinox Part 2, Bride of Chaotica. But, I mean, there's always Alice. Alice got 10, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 for sure. There are... At this point, 18 episodes worse than, 19 episodes worse than Spirit Folk. But that but ain't a lot. We've done 578 episodes. I gave it a three. You and did. that, I do think, is the second worst score I've ever given in a tie. Yeah, we are, we're a little ways apart. We're six apart on that one. Uh, we're also six apart on the second place episode. That is Deep Space Nine, Far Beyond the Stars, 22 points. An episode yeah. about racism, it's hard is in the right place. It's not a good episode of TV. It's just they ruined it with their own shitty framing device. If they just, yes. if the bookends had been something else. That could and by the way, episode. they were a hundred percent tempted to have the last Deep Space Nine episode reveal that it was all Benny's dream, <sighs> which would have ruined all of Star Trek. And of course yeah. the producers would never have allowed that, but they but wanted to. Why would to. you even want, why would that even be your impulse? I mean, they already yeah, cool did that. That St. Elsewhere already did it. What's the coolest thing about, like, why would you want to be the second show to do that what well, does it's it do the only for thing you? anyone ever talks about about saint elsewhere great but they won't talk about it for years because saint elsewhere already did it yeah that's a good point <laughs> uh, i mean they, who shot uh who shot jr right didn't that wasn't the whole uh, season of dallas a dream too? yeah i think a whole season is a dream yeah. for sure yeah the winner this week we were much closer together you gave it 14 i gave it 12 26 points which is not that good but uh-huh. enough to win this week chain of command part one TNG, that is man. the 56th win for the next generation. They are eight ahead of Deep Space Nine. Yep. Voyager, of course, with ni- uh, with five wins, has been mathematically eliminated for a long time. <laughs> Sorry, I thought they must have nine wins. That's actually Enterprise. <laughs> no, that's right. Enterprise, with 38 fewer attempts, has, has four more wins. That's correct, yeah. <sighs> if 
you uh, are still interested in this podcast. If you're <laughs> the guy who downloaded this podcast a thousand times. Wait a minute. Uh, New York, Sunday. maybe it was Half Truth. Did you download uh, 1,100 episodes? Yeah, that's a good question. Someone did in New York. Let us know. Um, Thanks. We get paid a lot of money per download, so that's very helpful. If you want to check in with us next time we do a podcast, we will be discussing Chain of Command Part 2. I mean... The one that we have said 15 times is the good one, so let's fucking hope that stands up. Yeah, I mean, we hyped it a little bit. Um, Oh, no. Oh, no. The Deep Space Nine episode it's competing (laughs) against... Is one little ship where the oh. Defiant... Is it a runabout or the Defiant that gets nah, tied? it's a runabout. A runabout. Yeah. yeah. A runabout goes on maybe a fantastic voyage. I, oh, I'm so used to looking ahead to Voyager to see which Voyagers you have to do. We haven't been looking ahead to DS9 and seeing that that was coming up. That's very disappointing. The Voyager episode you get to describe is Ashes to Ashes. I don't know. I suspect that that is a Kobali episode. If you oh, like is there that like arc a, in Star Trek Online. Is there an STO episode with a similar similar name? Yeah, the Harry Kim episode is called Dust to Dust. Ah, well, there you go. Okay. Okay, well... Hmm. So, yeah, okay. are, are people going to come back from the dead because it's some weird society's way of reproducing? Great. Well, I get, I'm obviously not looking forward. Uh, since I know the DS9 is not going to be a winner and i got to do the Voyager, it's going to be a tough project for me next time. <laughs> yep, uh, but don't feel too bad about it. I get to do Ship in a Bottle the week after that and a Voyager episode called Child's Play. Yeah, well, we got so many more kids on board now, so yeah, who knows? Almost anything. Plus, I've got Aquiel coming up. Oh yeah, that's a good one. But then you get face of the enemy. That's a good. I one. do get face of the enemy. In a All week, right. that you get the episode "Wrongs Darker Than Death or Night." Oh, it's Babylon Five again. I guess. Yeah, that's cool. That must be about the space war. So. All right. Well, thanks everybody. <laughs> Download us 1,100 more times. As you believe, so shall you do, so shall you do. As As you believe, believe, so shall shall you do. do. He keeps saying stuff to me like about my mommy milkers, and (laughs) I don't know who taught him that. It's pissing me off. Subscribe.